G Money. Yo. What's up, man? What's going on? We back. Back. back to back. Back to back. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, you don't have the energy for this. Like I don't? Nah, man. I'm excited today, man. You are excited. You I know when see. we bring the, 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 the basketball talk in here, I get excited. So yeah. I'm ready. I, relax. I'm not really a sports guy, but, you know, I am. And for those, you know, for a while now I've been talking about, talking, about, talking about basketball and name dropping and school dropping, but I wanted to bring some stuff today to kind of show you, you know what I'm saying? Because you can't talk the talk, you got to walk the walk a little bit. So I wanted to show y'all uh, this little something that I, I, I gathered in my closet, this, as you can see, this is Kenny Anson tournament, 2002 left right. On the back it says what? What it say in the back? Champs. Champs. Just so, just so y'all know, I did actually play basketball. I wasn't just talking smack. You know what I'm saying? What's the meaning behind Kenny Anderson? What you gonna explain? Like you this, know? this is his, his tournament. He had left right. It was his tournament. In left right. Do you think I know who Kenny Anderson is? From I'm not a basketball guy. Oh, he's a very popular point guard. I'm lying. I do. <laughs> anyway, how you doing? I'm good. Good seeing you. Also, Virgo. oh. Give him a second, y'all. Give him a second. You know, you got to show off. I had to. Uh, listen. Oh, yeah. Show off. Yeah. <laughs> show it off. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's a little too late now. I'll take a seat back. Go. It's, it's a little too late now. I kick it to the team. But, you know, I just figured I'd just talk my talk now. But this this is a, this is a little plaque I, I had in the crib. Um, Holy Cross. You know what I'm saying? Just showing my hard work, dedication. This is February 2013. Varsity. Holy Cross basketball. You know what I'm saying? So, for those who think I was out here capping. You know what I'm saying? I got some. I got some. Also. Also. You know what I mean? Sponsored by Adidas back in the day. Shout out to the Panthers. You know what I'm saying? Coach Cat, Coach Lloyd. You know what I mean? You got this little thing we had too. You know what I'm saying? Sponsored by Adidas. My name on the side right there in case you think it's, you think we capping. Now, I don't say G Money. I say what you see with it. You know what I'm saying? Just so you know, so you know it's real. That's all. That's it, man. I just wanted to talk why about it. Why, why, why you didn't bring the big trophy? The trophies are gone. I threw them out. I ain't going to lie. The big one? I threw everything out. The, the tall one you had in the end? So after... Years and years and years, your trophies start to get a little shaky. They don't really be this. You got to keep it intact. So it was kind of folding apart. A lot of them was kind of like, so I just tossed everything out. But I kept some of the plaques and some of the, you know. Memorabilia. Some of it. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to you, man. You excited today. I, am. I guess with the stuff that he relates to, he talks a lot. Look at him. <laughs> Look how excited he is. He's showing all. Like, you, you, you keep the. I'm right it's, it's, yeah, keep it on the table. No, 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 no. Yeah, keep it on the table. Thank you. Thank you. Can I get to, 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 to. Hello, how you doing? Everything's good, Bassy. Good seeing you. <laughs> Tati Tuesdays, how are you? Today's your day. It is. It's Tuesday. How are you? I'm going to ask you the same question. How's the music? <laughs> you didn't look at him this time. Good. That was a test. I feel good. Yes. And, you know, let me just say this real quick. Talk about it. I'm going to say it after the intro. <laughs> All right. Um, But I'm excited, man. You know, we're working extremely hard. Um, it's been a couple of days off. I know a lot of people have been asking right now on the computer that we're uploading, that we're recording on. I'm uploading a full episode right now. Like that's they, what we what the the, the up, upload Moss? time. Yeah, the leak more. So they've they asked for that. A lot of people have been asking for a lot of stuff. Four days off. I know we've been dropping content every day, but I had to film this reality show for Flip the Network. We are working on a better system. But I appreciate your patience. But G Money, yo, episode. Remember what you gotta say. Yes, I got it. <laughs> Two, one, nine. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> we got a special guest. Facts. A legend to many, an icon to some, a goat to all. That was good. Of course, <laughs> I freestyle that one. <laughs> um. 
I want to say this though before you know we introduce this man. Um, I was approached by you, by a lot of people about interviewing. Um, and you had came and showed me about Dr. King and I, you know, I kind of like, oh, gee, come on, gee, well, we, you know, we, my mom was somewhere else. Then mm-hmm. you hear the coach name, and then I, I went up to the school, and I was, you know, when my niece got in trouble, you know, I got they they banned me from that school a couple of times, man, oh, yeah? since, since I was young, and then even as an adult, <laughs> when they brought me in there, they said, you know, Queens Flip, you're causing these troubles. You know, even as Queens Flip, the school call, called me inside there when my niece got in trouble, but they would always shout out to Boo. Yeah, you know, at one point, Boo was like, uh, I think, a school safety there, a security guard. There. I don't mm-hmm. know what Boo was doing, but you know, he would, even he brought it up. You was the first one to bring it up. Then Bino, then everybody brought up. You got to interview the coach, a legend. Let that sink in. Round of applause for my man, Ron DeClario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. G-Money, I don't want to disrespect you, but uh, the jacket, if I handed it to you, wouldn't say champs. I would have to change the A to U and make it chumps. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> what's up? You know, that's, right that's, that's me because now. I don't know, did you really win the Kenny Anderson left Rack championship? That's a fact. Okay, we did. Good, good. This year, this year we did. Okay. That year, I mean. Good. Who, else, who was on your team? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember was a good player. <laughs> What's up, coach? How you well, doing? You know what? I didn't even know who you guys were. And I got a message from you mm-hmm. and a female that I know, Nicole Singleton. She couldn't believe it. It was like a rock star, you know, Jay-Z or Beyonce <laughs> messaged me. And I didn't even know who it was. So I decided to message you back. And here I am, you know, shooting the breeze and... You know, I didn't really mean to disrespect you like that, you know what I mean? But uh, you can say whatever you want. We have to have some fun here because. No, of course, of course. You know, it's a, it's a Tuesday night. Uh, we had a tough practice today. Usually I unwind <laughs> differently. Now I'm going to unwind by shooting the breeze and letting it all hang out. Nah, that's what's up, man. And, you know, for me, it's good. You know, like I mentioned behind the scenes, like, you know, I, I've known you for uh, since like high school days. So, you know, it's good to see the other side of you. You know, uh, as, a, as a teenager, I would see you in the, all the gyms and all the practices and things like that, but you had that coach face on. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like this laid-back guy you are right now. It was usually like you walk in the building, things get a little tense. You know what I'm saying? People get a little scared. Yeah, well, you know what? I remember about 18 years ago, I left the gym to walk into the lunchroom. And I was looking for a player that went to the bathroom but I think he stopped by cheerleading practice. And two of the cheerleaders were walking out, and they saw him, and they were, ha, ha, ha. So, and they, I said, what's the problem? He goes, we're scared of you. We're scared of you. And I found that out, that some people who don't know me, they see me always yelling, ranting, and raving, you know, but uh, once the kids get under my umbrella, I'm ranting for them to be the best. I'm raving for them to be work even harder right and uh, I'm screaming at them to push them up the ladder to hopefully when they get to that ladder they climb to another ladder and another ladder and 20 or 30 years later they look back and they say you know what that crazy little Italian guy running up and down the sidelines he made a big difference in my life Nah, for sure for sure you definitely had the presence man like you know um playing ball and you know for me early 2000 2001 03 
when you came in the gym, we tried to play a little harder to impress you. You know, we, you was that guy. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, I appreciate um, that. You know, a lot of kids today, it's amazing how it's a different world that they just don't play hard. It's it. You know, you look at a kid, you want him to be able to shoot. It's a skill. Dribble. It's a skill. You know, rebound. It's a skill. Well, you know what? Playing hard is a skill because something that was assumed you always play hard. And most coaches today will tell you, high school, college, even in the NBA, guys don't bring it every play, every second. And that's one of the things that I can't accept. I can't accept that. Mm. Well, you're going to shortchange yourself on the court in something you love. You're going to shortchange yourself in life. And you could lose a game. I mean, hopefully this year we have a zero at the end of the one loss column, but you cannot lose in the game of life. You got to be a winner. That that you got to be a winner. Mm. I, put, I put it back now because he tried to do the chump thing before. You put, you, put, you put the box back for him. Back now, yeah, I think he may get it early from you. Uh, possibly. He's a slick talker. He well, if you're it. talking a box, hopefully it's not six feet under. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Don't open it, open it, yeah, don't open the box. Like, I see your fingers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't open the latch. Too, don't too open early, the latch. Too early, too early. Well, welcome, coach. Yeah. Welcome, man. You know, a lot of people said a lot of good things about you. Um, oh, that's nice. You know, we, we we interviewed Lenny Cook, mm-hmm. and we had him up here. We would get into that a little later. You know, what I mean, that's later on. But you know, interview him. We also. Who else we had up here? Skip to my loop. Skip to my loop. And who he, you know, he coached as he well. He coached before, yeah. I, I met Ray for 12 years old and pushed him to the max. I would have had some more hair if I'd ever met the kid because he drove me crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, there were things he did that I didn't agree with. There were things he did that you're not allowed to do, and he did them anyway. And myself with Billy Medley, my assistant coach who shout out retired. Billy. Shout out to Billy Medley. He's up in Rochester now taking care of his mother and his daughter. Uh, it became a, a full-time job. And mm. if I took a lie detector test and I said I made Ray for a great player, it might come out that I'm lying. But if I took a lie detector test saying that if it wasn't for Billy Medley and Ron Neclario, Rafer would not have had the success that he had, it would come out because of your impulse. I, that's what I believe, and I saw it would say I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. And I'm really happy that Rafa did so much because he had two strikes on him sometimes, and he was up at the plate, and he didn't even have a bat in his hands. Come here real quick, son. Put put the mic down a little bit and put it close to the coach. I'm watching it. You know, you're all right, coach. I'm right. I let him do it. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I want to see his face. Yes, he could talk. What school you got? From what school? Oh, I knew there was something about that. And like stinking Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) You know that? Real quick, what school, unbiasedly, Mm. because we asked a couple, what school gave those of their competition? What school would you say in New York City that had a a good team that you say you're flipping? You know what? I think it goes by certain times in the 80s we were just getting off and just starting uh I'm the all-time winningest high school coach in New York City New York State public school I have 883 wins hopefully I can get to 900 this year because I think I have a pretty good team when I first started out it was Andrew Jackson Mm. they were the king of the crop and close was a Springfield Hillcrest a Van Buren but working hard Slowly but surely, 
The 80s became the 90s, and we managed to get to the top of that mountain. And, you know, there were teams that gave us a run for the, our money. Edison for a year or two in the 80s, Forest Hills. Uh, last year, Francis Lewis, Campus Magnet. But it seems like if there's two teams in Queens, it's 1A Cardozo and 1B somebody else, and I'm hoping we can continue to do that. Uh, people don't realize my first year, one win and 21 losses. Hmm. Oh, man, it hurts me just to say that. <laughs> one win and 21 losses. So I made sure that never happened again, never will happen again. And I think that pain of being 1 and 21, I stuck in here somehow, and I remember it all the time. Because if you stop working as hard as I've been working and my staff, because I've been blessed to have Billy Medley, I have Mike Blissett, I have Anthony Mamanakis, I have Rob Moses. Uh, once we stop working as hard as we do, 365 days a year, somebody's going to gain on you. And I don't want anybody gaining on us. You know, it's hard. You know, to be good for one year, two years, to be good for 42 years, that's tough. Am I getting tired? Well, yeah, I'm getting tired. And I'll go to sleep tonight, wake up, hopefully be refreshed, and do it all over again every day. Season is starting on Thursday. We have our first game. And, uh, you know, I look at it. People were telling me, uh, two of my former players, Curtis Chill Bryant and Pat Crosby, they're setting up a dinner for me in early, late May, uh, May 20th, and they're inviting everybody. And the theme is, it's my 51st consecutive year at Cardozo. 51 straight years. 72-73, playing to 74-75. 75-76 at St. John's. I did an athletic administration internship where I got college credits to be at Cardozo, being assistant coach to 89, took over 80-81, and 51 straight years. I mean, I think if somebody slashed me right now, I don't think I would bleed red. I think I would bleed royal blue and orange. It's Cardoza School Colors. 51 years. Wow. You're a good talker, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are a hell of a man. I'm listening to you, and, I, and I'm, you know, you, you, you bring me into your story, but we got to slow you down a little bit. Because, <laughs> you know, you are, a good, you are a good talker. But Well, you, you know, I like to talk to the kids, and I've been doing this a long time, and uh, maybe one day it'll be uh, – Flip the script and the coach. <laughs> <laughs> but you still didn't answer my question. Let me tell you why. Right, so give me the question again. I mean, I, I, because you did say, you know, you said, I want to know. Oh, well, then, you know, like, th then when we got citywide, early 80s, it was stinking Lincoln. Lincoln High there School. There you go. That's what I want you to Sebastian say. There Telfair. you go. All right. They All were right. really, really tough. Uh, coach Tiny Morton, I mean, those were battles. I mean, they were Duke, North Carolina. I mean, they were incredible. That was like... Lakers Celtics in the 80s with, with, with Bird and Magic. Wow. You know, we got them a couple of times. They got the better of us, though. They got the better of us. You know, and then uh, 
Then it was boys and girls for three or four years. I and, heard about that. You know, I heard about that. So that was true. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought yeah, it was. Yeah, they, they, you know, they got us a couple of times. We got them a couple of times. They won three straight city championships. The first time beating us in the garden. I think it was 2009. Then we got a little revenge for, because four straight years, we knocked them out of the playoffs. So, I would like to have had the city championship that they beat us, but. Knocking them out of the playoffs four straight years. You know, and like, listen, there's always going to be up-and-coming teams. This year, Jefferson's going to be really tough. South Shore's going to be very good. You know, Brooklyn, right now, they're on top. And a lot of people think Queens is soft. Maybe not Cardozo, you know. Hmm. But uh, it's hard, man. You know, you look back and you realize, like, when everything is going great, you're one second away from it all blowing up. A kid getting suspended from school. A kid meeting a girl decides to cut class. Now all of a sudden he fails that class. He's not academically eligible. And then unfortunately what's going on in New York City now with the violence, uh, you know, I've had three shot and killed. Two players. One would have been a senior this year. The 14-year-old young man who was shot in uh, Baisley Houses. Yeah. Amir uh, Griffin. He would have been a senior and he would have been potentially an all-city player. So you give us an all-city player plus what I got, I think that'd make me look pretty good this year as a coach. And then Yao Pabi Jr., his dad, Yao Pabi Sr., everybody loved him. He was coming out of a restaurant 300 feet from where Mir was shot and killed, and two guys came by shooting each other, missed and got him in the head, and he's no longer with us. That was April 16th of this year, 2022. So mm -hmm. the tragedy has hit the Cardozo <clears throat> basketball family and just as well as it hit a lot of other people in New York. I like this guy, man. He's good, right? Yo, stop sweating me, will you? <laughs> yeah, I, I got to. I got to, man. Go I, see, I seen online, too, you, you said you, had, you lost a total of like eight of your, of your kids, yeah, eight, your eight players. Of my, eight of my players and one dad. Uh, I hate to say it, if I lose another player, I can have a baseball team in heaven. Uh, it hurts. Three of them, the streets got because they were messing with the streets. You know, instead of getting a Division One scholarship, they they got a, a hood scholarship. You know, because the streets, streets is rough. You guys know that. Mm -hmm. You know, but. Uh, I learned a lot about the streets when I got my first full-time teaching job at IS8 in South Jamaica. Mm. And here I am, this diesel, you know, 20, 20 years old, a couple years old, and I'm in Southside Queens, and boy, I saw all the talent there. I saw all the talent there. And here I am. You know, learning, I'm going into 40 Projects, Baisley. And it was funny because a certain guy told me in August this year when the documentary The Supreme Team came out, you're going to look at a lot of guys that you used to run after, yell at, grab <laughs> that you didn't know. You know, you saw the Dr. Jekyll in them, but there was a Mr. Hyde part to them, and I was like, holy cow you know I didn't know about that world but yeah. I learned that world and 
you know, I, I've helped a lot of kids go from potential scholarships to Rikers Island to an academic life dribbling that ball. That ball has saved a lot of people. I like to think I've saved a lot of people. I have some beautiful letters from kids. Coach, if it wasn't for you, I'd be dead. Coach, if it wasn't for you, I'd be in jail. Mm. You know, I hate to hear that kids growing up have no chance. I didn't know that. But there are a lot of kids that it's almost impossible for them to succeed. Right. And maybe God's calling for me was not to move up to college, coach Division One, which was my dream, uh, or move up to the Knicks and the Nets coaching them. My calling was to stay in high school and help a lot of kids. And, whew, <laughs> I mean, one of my former players, Travis Lee, is writing a book, and I'm glad he's writing it because he knows so many stories that I don't even know. Sad stories, true stories, funny stories that are all going to be in the book when it does come out. Hmm. You know, I want to read it because I don't remember half of the things I did. <laughs> I did some crazy stuff too, man. I heard, I heard you. Was I did some crazy <laughs> stuff, man. You know, I don't know if there's a statue of limitations. Thing. Now we're gonna talk about it, coach. You, know, you slow down, man. You slow down. We're gonna talk about it. Yeah. So you know, speaking of, uh, you just mentioned about how some of these kids grew up with no chance. So like, how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Also, I grew up in go. the same house I'm in now, Bayside, Queens. Okay, shout uh, out Bayside. I was blessed. I had. A mom and a dad, that education were very, was very important. My dad grew up, you know, lower, you know, upper, lower class in Bushwick, Brooklyn. My mom grew up in the Bronx. She went to high school in music and art, which now is, that's the movie, the high school fame. Okay. My mother mm -hmm. was great in architecture. She ended up going to Columbia University graduated and majored in architecture. And in my house, all the paintings, the marble we have in front of the house, well, my mom designed all of it. My dad grew up wanting to reach new heights. He went to Jamaica High School, LIU. Then he decided, let me try to become a doctor. Not just any type of doctor, but a heart and lung surgeon a thoracic surgeon. He gets accepted to Marquette University, and lo and behold, comes out and comes back to New York, gets a job working at Mother Cabrini Healthcare Center, 19th Street, next to the, uh, the old police academy, St. Vincent's Hospital, Physician's Hospital, a uh, couple of hospitals in the Bronx, and also Harlem Hospital. And in the 50s and 60s, no white person would go to Harlem, but my dad was a surgeon there. And he wrote many books on medicine. He has eight books, but six of them was, he was the surgeon that devised how to put the pacemaker into a human being. So everybody who has pacemakers Thank my father, because he was the one who devised how to put it in a person, attach it, so your heart problem can 
stay where you can breathe, get up, live, eat, drink, sleep, and have a life. Oh, wow. Wait, so let's rewind a little bit. So your pops was the, the pacemaker. He, he he devised how to put the pacemakers into humans. Oh, how to, how to put it? Okay. Into humans. Wow. You know, when you think of it, you know, I mean, it's one thing when you're a dentist and you drill and then you put something to fill a person's tooth. But when you're messing with the heart, right? you know, you can walk around with bad teeth and they pull it out, and, but you're not walking around with, with, with a bad heart or no heart. And then my dad also did a couple of lung transplants. And that was one of the things my, my dad... My brother started smoking cigarettes, and he, he went crazy. And then he showed uh, x-rays of lungs of people smoking. And then he showed people who stopped how if you don't go past the point of no return, the lung can heal itself. But if, you know, some of the people that smoke two packs a day for 20 years, their lung looked just like charcoal. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm not touching a cigarette. So, hold on. How many siblings did you have? Unfortunately, uh, everyone in my family passed away. My mom died. I found my brother dead July 20th, 2002, in the Bay Club. And that was the hardest thing I ever had to do was run home and tell my mom that I found their oldest son dead. He died of a heart attack at 46 years old. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, I mean, listen. No, dream, dreams die hard, kid. <laughs> I, mean, hard. I mean, when you were younger, how many, how many were you in the house? Uh, four. My mom, my, my brother, myself. And dad. And dad. And you live in the Bayside, Queens. You, you still live at the house yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pops, he went to become this doctor, this surgeon. And at this time, being young, being what, what did mom do? My mom was working, but then when my father started becoming a high-level, like a Mount Rushmore thoracic surgeon, my father knew nothing about finance business. So my father became an LLC <coughs> because, unfortunately, people would like to sue doctors. <coughs> and my mother handled all of the investments. My mother was very good taking money, investing it, and putting it away, paying the bills, you know. Oh, so it became... They, like a team. A team. Yeah. So what... And now, when you were younger, tell us what the childhood was like. What did you do? What did you like to do and stuff like that? What were you doing? Well, spring and, spring and summer, you play baseball. Fall, you play football. And in winter, you play basketball. And I got good in baseball. I was good in basketball while I played for Cardozo. I made all Queens B division. And then I was St. John's University JV, and then the sub-varsity one year. But in baseball, I was good, where I was an all-city player my senior year. St. John's, uh, all-Northeast, led the nation in stolen bases. We played in the College World Series, 1978. And then in 1979, I was lucky, you know, the Chicago White Sox drafted me, and I got drafted by the White Sox. Got to Major League Camp. Would have made the team as the fourth outfield there in 1980, but unfortunately, I ripped the ligaments off my ankle 
three times. And my main asset was my speed. I could run. I did the 60 and 638. My roommate at St. John's my senior year was Johnny Franco, the all-time great Met. And he said if I didn't get hurt, he thought I could have been like a Mookie Wilson, Lenny Dykstra type player. You know, good players. You know, not all-stars, but good players. But my calling was at Cardozo. And like I said, I'm still there. So what school did you go to as a kid? Cardozo. High school? What yeah. about junior high school? Junior high school went Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur. Marathon Parkway. Oh. Let me ask you a question, though, Coach. You, you're Italian, correct? Do bears crap in the forest? Like, come on, stop playing, man. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that, yeah, no, no, I'm no. Italian, no when, when, when you Clarion. usually hear about Italian, did you have any mobster family members? Did you have any, like, why your family didn't go that, don't smile, why your family didn't go that direction? Well, you know what? Yeah, coach. <laughs> no, well, first of all, if you're Italian and you're normal, okay, you take the mafia and you don't want to be looked upon that. Mm-hmm. Just like if you're black and you're in school, you don't want to be looked down upon like you can't do the work. So I don't like when people brag about the mafia. Got it. But there was a certain day on a Christmas, uh, a big caddy pulls up in front of the house. Two guys get out in trench coats. My mother was like, she's like, what's going on? So they come with stuff to the door and they ring the doorbell. So my mother's like, she opens the door, you know, like, uh, this is Dr. Neclario's residence? She goes, yeah, this was like in the late 50s, early 60s. Oh, this is some present, pre- Christmas presents out of respect from Carlos Gambino, who was the head of the mafia. My father had him as a patient and saved his life, and he wanted to show the gratitude. But my brother, may he rest in peace, he was, first of all, he's 6'4", thick head of hair, looks like John Travolta. And he's different than me. And my father would bring us around sometimes. Like, if it'd be a rainy Saturday, my mother wanted us out of the house. So my father would take us in the car, and we'd do the rounds with him because he has to check up on his patients. So a couple of times, my dad brought my brother, and he met Carlos Gambino. And that's when my mother said, Emil Jr. is not accompanying you Again, because she didn't want any chance of my brother looking up to him and, you know, because kids are impressionable. You know, like there are kids who think it's cool to be in a gang. The only gang I think it's cool to be on, if let's say if you're in high school, is the football team, the basketball team, the soccer team, you know, because nothing good comes out of the gangs. So... So you, your father helped the head of the mafia, which was, you know, yeah, Carlos, Carlos Gambino. Gambino. And did you guys, because, you know, usually when you hear about the mob and, and the Italian, you know, yeah. um, it's like a family thing, organized and stuff well, like that. You know that, what? So. You're right. It seems like if 
your grandfather, your great grandfather mm. was in the mafia, it was like became the family business. Of course. And you watch The Godfather, you watch The Godfather too. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live like that. No. So you're just like, would you want to live like New Jack City? No, I wouldn't. Yes, I'm saying I want to live normal. I don't want to walk down the street and say, Who, "Is somebody going to be shooting, shooting at me?" You know. But what I'm asking you, Coach, is that well, did you ever have anybody family ties to anyone in the mob, like mom's side or dad's side? Do you? And, no, you know, we didn't. But I, I knew a couple of wise guys. Oh, you knew a couple of them. Yeah, I yeah. can tell you knew. I yeah. mean, you, you got that everybody loves. Yeah. Well, no, you know. Hey, hey but but you you chose a, to in your life though you chose a different route you chose a more different route as far as being um, even if you knew wise guys you didn't choose to go that route. Well, I I think my mother and father, if they were different, mm -hmm. or if I lived closer to the railroad tracks, and they weren't such high upstanding people, I could have gotten lost and done wow. a couple of things that I regretted. You know, there were a couple of things I've done when I was in my teenage years. I'm not going to let you know that. Ma, Dad, <laughs> I won't say. I won't say, but they would be very mad at me. You know, I did a couple of stupid things. But when you're young, you know, I, like I tell my kids now, young and dumb. What made, so, sorry, G. When, when, <laughs> when we look at, you know, let's talk about Dad real quick. <clears throat> Back in the days, right? Racial tension was high. It's about the 50s and stuff like that. Um, when I watch your dad, he, he he helped Dr. King. What made you guys different from other people? And Because, you know, I forgot who we had, but we heard a story about Bayside Queens or Queens, what they did at a time during back in the days to black people or, like, the separation. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you remember that. Yeah, I know there's certain areas. Yeah, so... You know. What what made your parents like south of Hillside Avenue supposedly was all black. Mm. South of Hillside Avenue, north was all white. You know, and it just seemed like that. But I, I I'm glad my father. He only saw good or bad. He didn't see black or white. Shout out to pops. And I'm glad, and he exposed me by taking me to Harlem Hospital. When I was five years old, ten years old, then I saw a black person. I saw another black person. You know, so they were they were persons to me. I didn't know. You know, you could be black, you can be white, or you can be Asian. That's just the way you are. You know, I didn't know anything about that. And what's weird is, over the years, I go to almost any project, any hood. I don't look at them as black or Puerto Rican. And what's weird is I probably feel safer there than if I was in a forest and I saw a snake because I wouldn't know what to do if there was a rattlesnake right next to me. <clears throat> but I feel, you know. Mm. So, you know, if you're exposed to it. <clears throat> now, I know if you're at a house and you're a black person and all you're hearing is all white people are bad, all white people are bad, or vice versa. You're in a white house and you're hearing, stay away from a black person, stay away. If you're walking down the street, make sure you're on the other side. Don't trust them. Well, unfortunately, if that's what you're hearing when you're young, you're going to grow up, and unless you 
have some real good intestinal fortitude, you're going to have some of that in you. You know, what's weird is I'll be on subways all times of the night, whatever, you know, over the years. <clears throat> what's going on in New York, I took a subway to the Big East media thing uh, during the day, and I'm on the F train, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, let me take a snooze. But then I said, you know what? Let me take a snooze with one eye open. Because you hear about people just coming by, slashing you. Mm -hmm. And when I got on the train at Queensbridge, the train was coming in, and it was the first time I ever did it. I leaned up against the wall only because you don't want somebody coming by and pushing you onto the track. And I said, wait a second, this isn't the New York that I love. And we had a scrimmage December, sorry, we had a scrimmage November 15th. Uh, I, I scrimmaged Cardinal Hayes, great team. They have a pro on the team, kid named Ian Jackson. Uh, they're 16th in the country. I'm good friends with the coach, Joe Lodes. And I just had a sense. I told my two assistant coaches, you guys meet us there. I'm going on the subway with the kids, with the team. I just, whatever it was, if I'm there and something happens, I could explain it. Uh, I know so many of the police, you know, Jeff Madry is probably going to be the new New York City chief uh, cop. Uh, one of my former players, Rodney Harrison, was the head of New York City cop. He's now out in Suffolk. He's the commissioner. So I, I'm a little attuned. So I, I just said, you know what? Let me take the subway with him. And one of the kids takes a picture of me standing there. So I put it on social media, and everybody couldn't believe that the coach got on the subway. They say, all their coaches, you know, hey, here's the bus pass, we'll meet you at the game. So I sent it to a lot of people. I text Mayor Eric Adams. He texts me back, the subways are safe. Six felonies, blah, blah, blah. So I said, Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams, in all due respect, I feel safe on the subways. But several of my kids and several of their parents disagree with what you just said. Not to get him mad, but it just shows you how the world's changed. You know? So I don't even think I asked you que answered your question. <laughs> I don't know the question it was. You went over here, made it right. No, it was good yeah, talk, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So... Let's go back to. Um, I forgot the question too because I was so in tune with the. Yeah, I was, I, I was on the subway. He, he, makes, he makes it. Yeah, he makes us in tune with the story. I was on, I was on the subway. Like, but, I felt like but, I was. But we were talking about you know, you know, he he answered the question about his parents keeping him on a straight path. Yeah. He go. didn't see. He didn't see color. Right. Right. There we go. And then stuff like that. Um, growing up, let's talk about the uh, um, your father. You know, you gave us an article here. I heard about it a couple of times, Coach. Let's take our time. 
Shout out to your pops. What is it, Emil? Emil. Emil. Shout out to pops. Pops! T tell us what pops did. Pops well, saves Dr. King's life, Martin Luther King. Well, my father was on call. He would be the type of person that if he's driving to work and he saw an accident where it looked like somebody got hurt, he would stop and see being a doctor. If you're a doctor, that's what you try to do. Just like if you're a, a firefighter and you're off duty and you see a house, you stop. <clears throat> or if you're a, a cop off duty and you see something happening, you know, you stop to help. My mom and dad were going to a wedding September 20th, 1958 at the Waldorf Astoria. How they did it in those days, no cell phones, no beepers. He leaves my mom at Waldorf Astoria, rushes up in his tux to Harlem Hospital because a patient was stabbed in the chest. He quickly gets out of the tux into his scrubs, and when he walks in, the two black doctors, Dr. Cordes and Dr. Mayen, are the Hemant and Horry. My father quickly assesses the situation. The knife was touching the aorta. In layman's terms, that would be a pin touching a balloon. If he would have sneezed or coughed, the pin pops the balloon. The knife pops his aorta. And then if that happens, you drown in your own blood, which Dr. King said in his famous speech. If I would have sneezed or coughed, I would have drowned in my own blood. My father realizes, how do you tell somebody not to cough or sneeze? I just coughed right now. And time is of the essence. So there's a website, whsak.com, whenharlemsavethekeng.com, that has a five-minute video of explaining it, and you actually see live video of my father changing Dr. King's dressing. But my father quickly removes two ribs from the side to get the knife out, because that was the safest way. What was amazing is, about five years ago, I actually found the instruments my dad used to save Dr. King. He saves his life. The next morning, he gets up to change his dressing, so no infection. That's when paparazzi came in, took the picture. That's the picture that everybody sees of my dad mm. leaning over Dr. King. That's it. And from that picture, I learned something. My dad never had a regular tie. He always wore a bow tie. And the reason why he wore a bow tie was because if you look at that picture, if you have a bow tie when you're leaning over a patient, the regular tie would get in its right, way. Right, right. It was going to take Dr. King about three months to be 100% healthy. Three and a half months later, he gets a beautiful letter from Dr. King. If you want, you can read it to the, to the crowd, you know. It's got Dr. King, it has a stationary letterhead. Dr. Martin Luther King, 454 Dexter Avenue, Montgomery, Alabama. Letter is dated what? January. You know what it says, all right. <laughs> all right. January 6, 1959. Dr. Neclario, ever since leaving New York, I have been intending to write you at least a note to express my great appreciation to you for all that you did to preserve my life. 
your skilled surgery, coupled with your genuine concern for me as a patient combined to bring me from a very low, I don't know what, it was the ebb, ebb in my life to blooming health again. Um, please know that I will remember your gesture of goodwill so long as the cords of memory shall lengthen. Wow. That's powerful. I hope you have received our gift by now. What was the gift? It is simply a little way to express our gratitude to you for all that you did to ease the load of a difficult period in our lives. With best wishes to you and yours for health and happiness in 1959, I am. Sincerely yours, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, I treasure that letter. I tra- I love bragging about that. I give it out every Martin Luther King's birthday, every September 20th. I'm on, you know, TV, the radio. Like I said, Grant Hill and Kevin Garnett and Bill Raftery Jr. and Brian Beagle are doing a documentary on that and how I kind of followed in helping kids' lives. But uh, two weeks after my dad gets the letter, he gets a phone call from Coretta Scott King. My dad goes, is everything all right? Is everything all right? Coretta goes, no, everything's good. Uh, But when we left New York, you said to us, if there's anything we ever need, to please call. That's why I'm calling. What is it that you need? Martin has to come back to New York to continue the movement. I don't want him going. I don't trust anybody in New York. Neither does Martin. And she even said, black or white. And it was a black lady who stamped him, by the way. So what is it that you want me to do? The only person that Mart and I trust is you. Do you mind accompanying him? So my dad met him, and he accompanied him once, accompanied him twice. And then when Martin came up a third time, Coretta Scott King came up, my dad and my mom, Dr. King and Coretta Scott King, they went to, I forgot the state, Chandler Steakhouse on 37th, it's no more, 37th in Madison, and then he went another time to an Italian place. Uh, <clears throat> I met him a couple of times. Uh, one story, about six years ago, I'm at Lincoln Park, Southside Queens, and there's the Lincoln Park basketball tournament, and there's a coach. I think it was Coach uh, Wayne Swilliger. So he's there, he's coaching college now. He's trying to recruit a couple of kids to Monroe Junior College. So after the game, while we're waiting for the second game, he goes, Ron, do you know what my dad and Martin Luther King have in common? So I said, what? He said, my dad and Martin Luther King. So I said, well, do you know about my dad? So he goes, yes, that's why I'm saying it to you. So I go, what do you mean? He goes, your dad saved my dad's life as well as Dr. King. So I go, how did my dad save your dad? <clears throat> your dad was going to Harlem Hospital, and he was going over the, the used to be the Triborough Bridge, now it's the R.F. Kennedy Bridge. My father was in a Volkswagen, got sideswiped by a Mack truck, and he was crushed, and he had a collapsed lung. And he stopped, and with his doctor ability, saved his life. This, I think this is a cute story. I'm about six or seven. And I don't know how I remember it, but 
I'm watching cartoons. The phone rings. Ronnie, get the phone. Ronnie, get the phone. My dad is getting out of the shower. My mom is hemming my brother's pants. Ronnie, get the phone. So I reluctantly go get the phone. I pick up the phone like they taught me. Dr. Naclerio and Mrs. Naclerio's residence. Ronnie, who's on the phone? Ronnie, who's on the... So I go, who's speaking? They go, Ronnie, who's on the phone? So I go, I'm not sure. Some guy says he's a king. It was Martin Luther King. <laughs> and when I met him, he didn't know if it was me or my brother, because my brother was 22 months older. He goes, which one of you two young whippersnappers thinks I'm a king? So I put my head down and I was like, <laughs> you know. At the time, though, did you know you were young? Did you did you know who? I, I that's King when was, I or? started realizing that I met arguably the greatest American that ever lived. Mm. And as I got older, and I I do remember, I think it was April fourth, nineteen sixty eight. My dad came home. He was not in a good mood. We were waiting to eat because we usually try to eat as a family. My dad came home around 8 o'clock, didn't say anything, came down, went up, closed his door, and uh, started making phone calls. What's wrong with Dad? Mom, mom didn't even know. So Mom said, let's go downstairs, and we turned on the TV, and that's when we found out Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. Hmm. And April 8th, 1968, my dad got on a flight to be at Dr. King's funeral, uh, April 9th of 1968. Uh, at my dad's funeral, October 14th, uh, 1985, Coretta Scott King came to my dad's funeral. Oh, wow. So... You know, and I've met Martin, the oldest son. He's come to Cardozo. Uh, he wants to be part of this documentary, talking about what went on, because he said, you know, if it wasn't for your dad, for your dad, my dad would not have accomplished all of the great things. Because all of the like the the I Have a Dream speech that was 1963. Yeah. It right. wouldn't have happened. And, and you know what was weird, and I think this is another way. They became good friends, and they would talk. And it was weird. A black gentleman from the South and an Italian white guy from Brooklyn. And they just hit it off. Martin would discuss things with my dad, and my dad could talk to Martin about the pressures of being a doctor, and they just hit it off. And they just bounced things off. Two Mount Rushmore people but from two different worlds or two different professions. And I think seeing that also showed me, you know. And But that's why I really don't like what's going on in society today. I mean, you know, you're an Asian person, you're walking down the street, just because you're Asian, you, you, I mean, come on, it's crazy. I mean, I can't believe, I can't believe the world we're in right now. My mom passed away April 2nd, 2018, at 92. I know she would not like the way the world is today. But I can say this. 
the world would be a better place right now if Dr. Amon Leclerio and Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King were alive. I think we would be in a lot better place than we are. <clears throat> so, you went to Cardoza. Yep. First of all, condolences to family. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and I'm, I want to say that. I think they'll be proud. They are. Everybody tells me your mom and dad and brother are smiling up in heaven. You know, I know my dad would, would be smiling, my mom too, but you know what's weird? When, uh, when my, my brother passed away, I moved back in with my mom. She had the big house. She didn't want to sell it. So I, I reluctantly moved back in, but it was a godsend because my mom did so much for me, you know, taking my money, investing, and making sure I wasn't a schmuck. You know, when you're coming home, uh, let me smell your breath, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and, you know, you need that sometimes. And before cell phones, everybody would call my house. My mom is here and, you know, picking up the phone. Oh, it's coach there, it's coach there, coach there. And the one thing that kind of not bothered me, but my mom said that to me about a year before she died. She goes, Ron, you're helping so many people. You're always helping. You're reaching into your pocket. I get mad at you when you're spending money on this, you know, trying to help all these people. He goes, is there anybody out there that can help you? Hmm. And I've never had anybody, you know, spoon fit me a job, you know, money. But, you know, maybe one day, you know, maybe one day before I'm six feet under. Real quick, um, what did Dad pass away from? Dad passed away of what was ironic. A heart and lung surgeon died of congestive heart failure mm. at 69 years old. Kind of young. A lot, you know, Martin Luther King, Dr. King was only 39. People don't realize how young he was. You know, 39, you would want to get to 69, but 69, you, want, you live once, you want to go to 85, 90, 95. You want to go to, you know. Real How quick. long you want to go? I, I want to answer that. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever, right? As long as we can, you know. Um, yeah, real quick. So, Dr. King, when he, when he was stabbed, uh, you know, I heard the, some of the story about a young lady came to him, right, and they, and she asked who he was, and then he said who he was, and then she stabbed him. Is there any more to that story, or is is like? Well, Dr. King came up to New York to do a book signing of his first book, and a lot of people were there, and there was a little story behind it because there was a black-owned bookstore that. Dr. King did not do his book signing at. He did it at a department store. I forgot what department store was, but it's a big department store where Toro College of Medicine is. So during the book signing, the lady walks up to him and it goes, excuse me, are you while he's ordering, are you Dr. King, are you Dr. King? So he says yes, and then boom, she plunges the letter open right into his chest. Mm. What was her reason? 
she was schizophrenic and thought Dr. King, you know, some crazy thoughts with Dr. King. I mean, you know, probably the same reasons why we have people doing insane stuff today. That's true. You know, insanity is insanity. Yeah. You, 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 went, you went to Cardoza High School. Dozo. Graduated from Dozo? Yep, graduated. Played sports in Dozo? Baseball, basketball, soccer, three-letter man. Three-letter man. And how was Dozo back in those days? Dozo was great. There was no race problem. Everybody got along, you know? You know? Did anybody go there with you during that time that we, we might recognize a name or any any athletes that went there around that time? Uh, well, there was a guy a year or two earlier. Uh, Smile his guys with <laughs> Probably the most famous porn star, Ron Jeremy. No way. <laughs> Went to, graduated in 72. You with the Cardozo? Ron <laughs> Jeremy. Well, I think he's in jail now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. I heard his big hit movie as a porn star was Long Dong Silver. That's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> I was told. Hey, I mean, I hope I'm not in trouble now. He's in jail now, right? Ron, Ron, Ron got But people life. know him from that other show he was on. He was on a show where they were always swimming around, you know. What? Wow. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> That's crazy. He actually showed up to the 40th reunion of Cardozo. You know, I forgot, what, 40 years, probably like 2008. Hmm. You know, then we had the basketball players, you know, Ray Ferralston, Royal Ivy. That's, that's later on, though. Yeah, that's uh, later on. I was talking about when you, you know. Yeah. So, you were playing sports. Were you playing, uh, like you probably, you probably before, I, I mentioned to you um, behind the scenes, my, my uncle Derek Hawkins, he played Jackson. Derek, Derek played, I think, late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So that was. Yeah, I, I, I played at Cardoza to 75. Got you. Were you nice? I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Basketball. I was like, I was pretty good. I got average, my senior year average about 16 a game, made all That's Queens, good. Long Island Press, but we were in the B division. Uh, I had a decent shot, couldn't go right, but you couldn't stop me from going left. I was really quick. Mm. So, you know, I just put my head down and go, you know. But uh, I learned a lot playing, and I started realizing, you know, that basketball wasn't going to be it. Uh, I was also blessed that my dad saved Ned Irish's secretary. Ned Irish was the president of Madison Square Garden mm. back in the 60s and 70s. And his secretary was Mary Malloy. And she went to five or six doctors. They said, we can't do anything. Ned Irish heard of my dad. I got to try something. Well. Miraculously, my dad saved her life with some medical procedure. She managed to live 13 more years after the procedure. So Ned Irish was so indebted to my dad, he goes, come on, I'm taking you out to dinner. It's on me, blah, blah, blah. My dad's office was 35 East 35th Street, not too far from the New Garden, 34th Street. So he goes, oh, I, I got to do something. I gotta, uh, do you have any kids? Yeah, uh, hopefully boys. Yeah, uh, how many? Two. Uh, how old? One's 12, one's 14. Do they like sports? One loves it, one likes it. 
does the one who loves sports love basketball? My father said, yes. He's 12 years old, he loves basketball? Good. That's how I got my first job. New York Nick Ball Boy. Mm. I worked half the games, 69-70, when they won it. And then I worked every game from 70, 71 to 74, 75. So I was there for the part-time, the first championship, and full-time, the second championship. <coughs> you know, and from there, Willis Reed had a problem. Not major, but who did Ned Iris tell Willis Reed to go see? Dr. Naclario. Willis Reed has a basketball camp. Guess who's going to Willis Reed's basketball camp? Ron Naclario. In fact, from there, I also used to work the college games. So because, let's say, the Nick game might be on a Friday night, college games might be, uh, you know, in the afternoon, or the way the schedule was, that in my lifetime, I've slept in the New York Nick locker room three times mm. with Bubba Grimes and Greg Sabat and Randy, what was Randy's last? Randy Caden. We actually, you know, we were kids. We had a great time. Hmm. And you know what we did in the middle of the night? We got one of the balls out and we started on the court. Yeah, shooting of course. hoops. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, you was bound to basketball then. Because, like, what I mean is that look, look how that happened. You know what I mean? Indebted and pops, you get yeah. the job there. Well, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you coach baseball? Because you were basically almost the major Yeah, you was almost in there, yeah. But you know what? Basketball, there's so much more coaching. Baseball, what do you do? You tell the pitcher, maybe to throw a fastball curveball. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You hit and run. You know, you don't. But basketball, <laughs> you put in offenses. You put in defenses. Do you press? You know, so much. There's so much involved. Out of bounds plays. You know, so much coaching in basketball. It's, it's, and you know what was amazing? You look at NBA teams now, and they got the first row of coaches, and they got the second row of coaches. When I was Nick Boy, there was Red Holzman and the trainer, Danny Whelan, and Danny Whelan helped. You know, that, that I have a lot of pictures of me, you know, with the Knicks. There's one with... Walt Frazier and Phil Jackson pointing to the spot where they want me to wipe the water. I think you have a copy of that. <laughs> you know? You like said that. someone else was a, 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 ball, a ball boy also during that time. Um, well, no, no. There was a, a famous ball boy that yes. was a ball boy early 60s to mid-60s. Mm -hmm. I was ball boy 70s. So before you. He actually became a famous announcer. Legendary. Marv Albert. It's my guy right there. Marv Albert. And his youngest son, who does hockey, I think it's Al Albert, uh, or Kenny Albert, we became friends, and we talk about how his dad and myself were New York Knicks ball boys way back. Right, right. And when people from the Knicks organization see those pictures, they can't believe, wow. Wow. So... You graduated from high school, um, from Dozo, and the next step, because you did talk, tell us about how you were going into baseball and stuff like that. But we just like, because you started, you know how you was yeah. telling the story, you were just telling <laughs> well, all Well, baseball, you did. I got really good. 
I was a Division One player. But was it? Hold on, was it right after high school? Yeah, yeah. Saint so John's, right after right? high school, you went to St. John's. This is what I did. I went to Manhattan College. I know that is. And Manhattan College. That was the only year they started school before Labor Day weekend. So I'd get up in the morning. I drive. I put. I couldn't park, park the driving on the on the cross Bronx. And after three or four days, I didn't like it. My father was saying, what do you want to do? He goes, so my dad went to St. John, spoke to Joe Russo, and hell yeah, we want him. And I had good grades, I got accepted within a day, and here it is the following week, when St. John's is starting on Thursday, I missed Thursday, <clears throat> but I'm in class Friday, and here I am at St. John's playing Baseball for a great, great program. But why do people, some people, look real quick, some kids in Bayside that live in Bayside go to Cardozo, not Bayside High School? Isn't Bayside, Bayside is so big that there's old Bayside, which is Bayside High, and new Bayside. Oh. So it's, it's, it's too big an area for them all to go to one. Cause, yeah, I always wondered that. Like, why did they, you know, because... But the way it is right now, you can live anywhere and go anywhere. You just apply and get accepted. Of like course. You can, live, you can live on 196 and Murdoch, <laughs> 10 kids, one go to Edison, one go to Malloy, one go to Cardoza, one go to Van, one go to Cardinal Hayes, one go to Springfield, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't like that back in the days, though. Now, then, you usually would try to go to your... Zone school. Zone school. Yeah. But because, you know, they did the busing stuff, they didn't want... Andrew Jackson to be packed, so they, you know, some go to Cardozo, some go to Bayside. Eric Adams went to Bayside, the mayor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you go graduate, you become good at baseball. They they want you. Um. But in going into baseball, you get injured. You injured yourself. No, I got injured after I got well. I got drafted. So so let's at college, I didn't get injured. College, I played. I played. I did well. You were good in college. Very good. Yeah. I had a lot of good teammates. We were very good. And very you know, good? Is very good you want to use, Coach? I'm we were very sure. good. We, we were the first team in the Northeast to win 40 games, which was unheard of, to win 40 games. Because remember, we don't start our season until late March, early April, and the season's over by middle of, middle of May. Yeah. And uh, we were good. But you know what? We didn't know we were good. Like, we didn't have that ego, oh, yeah, I got a couple of hits, I'm the bomb. You know, we, we, ground, we grinded it out every day and every day. And, you know, when we were sophomores, we lost the game to go to the College World Series, which be like going to the Final Four in basketball. And the following year, <coughs> we lost some, but we, we, we had that chance. And we were in the Northeast Regional. There were six teams, double elimination. We lost our first game. Uh, Two-out home run by Ron Perry, who ended up playing for Chicago White Sox okay. and also Chicago Bulls. Hmm. And we managed to somehow win six games in two and a half days to come back. We beat uh, Temple University. We beat Pete Filson, who pitched in the major leagues for 10 years for the New York Yankees, I think three years. And here we are in the College World Series. My senior year, my mom and dad, I was thinking of dropping out to sign with the Detroit Tigers. They told me no way. 
you're getting your degree. And the following year, I had a chance to be on the basketball team at St. John's. Coach Lou Conasec, who's going to be 98 years old, January 5th, coming up, uh, became like an uncle, very tight with my dad. He knew not to put me on as a walk-on because in January, the four weeks that school was closed, I got selected for the USA Baseball All-Star team to play in Miami against a lot of the the Spanish countries like Venezuela, uh, Cuba was coming up. Was Cuba, I think, yeah. Uh, Dominican Republic. Well, lo and behold, that was the best thing because by playing down there, Walt Widmeyer, the top scout for the Chicago White Sox, saw me and drafted me in June of that year. So, which I don't know if a scout up here would have drafted me, but I was playing in front of the top guys, the guys that had the clout and the power. So how did you get yourself injured? First time, I was running to first base, getting timed, and when I extended my left leg, I was going to be about three or four inches short, and I was going to have to put my right down. So I lunged and reached out, and as I did, you can see here, my ankle went out, and I ripped the ligaments off the inside of my ankle. And I didn't know. If you're going to hurt the ligaments, you want to do it on the outside, because the inside is the ligaments... <coughs> That really messed you up. So I was on crutches. I had to let them heal. Then I came back too quick. You know, I, you know, two months is not two weeks. Mm. You know? Six, six months is not six weeks. You know, young and dumb. Young and dumb. And then uh, the third time, I'm in a spring training game against the Texas Rangers, a guy hits a blast. I should have let it hit the wall instead of me hitting the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the cleat got caught. And, you know, once you hurt your main asset three times and you're not a, a big-time bonus baby, like the game says, three strikes, you're out. That's what happened. Yeah, and then I started getting tired you know, of all of that. I'm coaching at Cardozo. The California Angels uh, picked me up, but it wasn't right, you know. I mean, it was time. Thank God I had my education then. What? Oh, you, yeah. said, you said coaching at Cardozo? So, so you were coaching? Co my first year, I was still playing while I was coaching. Wow. Because the season for the minor league, it was over in September. Mm -hmm. High school basketball doesn't start until late October. October, yeah. And then... Then high school would be over. Basketball would be like middle of February. And you didn't have to be in spring training until like March 1st. I mean, the only time I would have had a problem was if we won the city championship. Right. But, you know. But how did you get a job to go check out those in the first place? Uh, I was assistant coach at Cardozo 75-76 with Al Madigan. Al Madigan? Al Madigan. He also coached. And Andrew Jackson. He, Chuck Granby, the legendary coach who I broke his record of 722 wins, who passed away, and I have something in common. We both took over for Al Madigan. Chuck Granby took over for Al Madigan at Andrew Jackson, and I took over for Al Madigan at Cardozo. And Madigan saw something in me, and then he told me, he goes, Ron, 
I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I want you to take it over. I want you to take it over. You sure? And I had all the teachers, you know, I had, thank God I had all of the credentials. I just had to go down to apply for my teaching license and do that. But, you know, and get fingerprinted over. But that's minor stuff. Thank God I had all of the stuff that you need, the education credits, the degree, all of that. <clears throat> so here I am at Cardoza coaching. Hmm. So you're coaching at Dozo, playing baseball. Then you got you was getting tired, so you decided to. Did they get rid of you, coach, or you just quit? You just I, the Angels. I didn't like. I just, you know, they wanted me to rehab the ankle. I mean, I re, you know, like they wanted me to rehab. The rehab could have been like a year. I mean, like, come on. You can't sit still for that long, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. And and the other thing too is, you know, people don't realize it. You look at the glory of the major leagues. Well, the minor leagues. Eight-hour bus rides, 10-hour bus rides, 12-hour bus rides. I mean, I remember on the eight, 10-hour bus rides how we would fight. You know, on the bus, they have the rack. We would fight to get in the rack to sleep in the rack. Or we would get the little blow-up thing like you put in the water, and in the aisle, you would just sleep in the aisle because you couldn't, you know, and... You know, it's it's a tough life, the minor leagues. Mm. The one thing about the minor leagues, if you're there, do everything you can so you can move up. Be, mm. Having a career in the minor leagues, if you come from good stock and you're used to living solid, you know. So the minor leagues is where you go before you get to the majors, basically. Yeah. 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 Okay, got it, got it. See, in basketball, now it's the G League. It used to be not the G League. The mm -hmm. And then in, in football, there is no minor leagues. It's either you're in the NFL or you're not. <coughs> yeah. You know? At any point in your career, did, did, did your parents, or mostly your dad, did your dad try to get you to go into a doctor, you know, being a doctor or a nurse, anything like that? He, that's a great question because a lot of people asked my dad, and he said, I want them to do what they want to do. Mm. And they see how hard I have to work. Because remember, if you become a doctor in 1955, you still have to, in 1960, 65, keep on learning. My father kept on learning the new techniques. You know, like my father would be amazed today with all of the stuff they do with the computers and, and the lasers and this and that. I mean, in the old days, you tore your knee, they're ripping you open and going in there. Now they're doing a little arthroscopic stuff. It's a little needle. So medicine has advanced tremendously. tremendously. Mm -hmm. And my father, and also <clears throat> my father had that professional pride to stay where he was. So he was always learning. And then he was teaching all the doctors, the young doctors. So he was always writing and giving lectures. So he would be flying around to the major conventions being, you know, uh, a speaker, a noteworthy speaker that everybody wanted to hear and ask questions. Your father passed away, what, you 85, you said? No, 69. 69. Uh, the, year, the year was, what was it, October 14th, 1985. 85. Your, your father passed away in 85? Yeah. At age 69. So he was able to see you coach and stuff like that. Or knew yeah, you. he came okay, to some okay. games. He came to some okay, games. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, he, said he <laughs> yeah. was able to see you coach. So yeah, Bob yeah. was there. Uh, there was a big game at Fordham University. Before Fordham-St. John's game, there was about 5,000 people. We played Long Island uh, City High School. Great, great game. And thank God. Thank God. 
You know, we won that game. Because I hate losing. I hate losing. I, uh, <laughs> no, I hate losing. I hate losing. So, so, so let's talk about when you first got there, when you first coach, for, for, you first becoming a coach, because you was the assistant coach at first. Yeah. Then you became the head coach. And when you were the head coach, you guys had 21 losses. And one win. And one win. And you don't like that. But you took that and put it in your heart. And then oh, the next man. year you had oh, 21 well, wins and four I losses. I learned. First of all, one, I was so young. I was like 21, 22. Basically, I was like the older brother to them. So, and I, one thing I learned, I had three seniors on that 1-21 team that, thank God, they graduated because they were cancers. Mm. We had the same team back, plus a sophomore from junior high school. Uh, where, where I went? 67. Louis Pasteur, named Bruce Smith, a 6'4 kid, comes in. Uh, layup line, he dunks, so you're on the team. <laughs> and uh, basically with the same team, minus those three seniors and the sophomore, we go from 1-21 and 21 to 21-4. and four. And... We worked, I learned, because I know it, doesn't mean anything. I have to get it into their head. Right, facts. You know? At that I, time, too, like you mentioned, you're like the older brother to them, right? So, like, yeah. how did you, how were you able to gain their respect, you know, being that so close in age, like, the next year it came around, like. I, I, think, I, I think I had to take a step back. I think I had to put in some rules. The one thing I learned about rules, though, don't have too many rules. You know why? Your best players are going to break the rules. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fact. That's a fact. You know? So I have this. I tell them this. I got two rules. You can remember two rules. Some coaches. So I said, how many of you guys played outside ball or the coach that had 10 rules? Most of the kids' hands go, 15 rules. So... You could remember two rules. They go, oh, great, only two rules. So I go, rule number one. Rule number one, never, ever diss Coach Neclario. And I explain what that means. If you're not going to class, you're dissing me. If you're going to class late, you're dissing me. If you're not doing your homework, you're dissing me. If you're not trying your best, you're dissing me. If you're not a good person, you're dissing me. Right? Right? If, if, you, if you're not coming to practice working hard, you're dissing me. Mm. If you're not giving a year on your game, you're dissing me. Okay? Rule number two. Never, ever forget rule number one. G-Chill, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. man. Open the box that was yet? Good. That was slick because, you know, he, he basically but, gave you one rule, but it's like a million rules under that. That's just, that could be, uh, don't respect Coach Curry. It could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She was that really necessary? That's a good. That was that was slick. That was slick. <laughs> no, so 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 hold on, coach. So, but when do things start picking up for you guys? Like, is it the next year? Well, it, the next year we, like I said, we were 21 and four. Yeah, I saw that. I read that. Mm -hmm. uh, we got unlucky. We played a very good Beach Channel team that had a kid move back to Far Rockaway and just got eligible. Tim Pounds, a six six kid. We lost a heartbreaker by one. Well, and if that kid transfers back two, three weeks later, we easily win. 
The next two years, we're climbing. We're doing it again. Lost a couple of heartbreakers. Uh, 1986. We're starting. We're, you know, they're talking. We're winning our 20, 25 games. Uh, a great player. That played for the Gauchos. Lives in Hollis. Goes to Oak Hill Academy. He had his problems there. Lou Dalmeida, the multimillionaire uh, owner of the Gauchos AAU program, wanted to have Lloyd with me. But Lloyd didn't live in the district, and the school was overcrowded, so he ends up going to Andrew Jackson, arch rival. And lo and behold, second round of the playoffs, who do we play? Hillcrest High, uh, at Hillcrest High School, place was packed. We had trouble getting in. And I remember that crew of Kevin Story, who got shot and killed, unfortunately. The streets got him. Greg Scott, who died of a heart attack. Sam Cutchins, Curtis Bryant, Steve Peterson, Brant Besta, Dwayne Coswell. Uh, I better not leave anybody else out. <coughs> but what a game. What a game. My father died early in the year. Before the game, I broke down and cried, saying, you know, my father would have been here. Uh, I know up in heaven, he's rooting hard for us. So the kid said, Coach, we're going to win this game for you for your dad. And wow, we were losing. We took the lead. And we had the two guards, Kevin Story and Greg Scott. They were good. They were good. They were good. And we're up four with about a minute and a half to go, and Lloyd's yelling, give me the ball. Lloyd had 31. Mm. Lloyd's, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. There was no three-point shot then, though. And thank God Steve Peterson totally denied Lloyd, and Kevin steals the ball from Dave Edwards, who passed away two years ago. Uh, and... Becomes a two-on-one. Dave hustles back, because now it's crunch time. Money. Of course. Kevin throws it off the backboard. What are you doing? Greg comes out of nowhere, catches it, and slam dunks. And we're up six. We get a lucky call. Might have been a walk. Might not have been a walk. 30 seconds to go. We froze the ball. Coach Granby yells, foul, foul, foul. We hit two foul shots. They got an and one with about three seconds to go, but we won 69-64. And that was the mountaintop for us. And now everybody in Queens knows. Mm. What year was that? 1985-86. So you coached Dave Edwards? I coached against Dave Edwards. I go against him, sorry. I... He played for it because he was on uh, I wanna, Jackson. I excuse me. This was Andrew Jackson you played against. Yep, Andrew Jackson. Right. I, the one thing I would tease Dave about was, he was a freshman at Andrew Jackson, and we beat him. In that game, and when he was a senior, in Andrew Jackson, we beat him in the playoffs. Mm. So we started your freshman year off. Playoffs ugly, and we ended his high school career ugly, <laughs> but. <laughs> I get a phone call 
from Craig Eshrick, the assistant coach at Georgetown to John Thompson, who I got to know. And he goes, Ron, we need a point guard. There's got to be a point guard in New York. To some of those. I go, I got the best kid for you. Tell me about him. I said, you guys need him, and he needs you. So, you know, to get him out of 40 projects. They come up, they see him, they love him. And he gets to Georgetown. He has that great game at the Meadowlands Arena against the number one team. He's throwing behind-the-back passes to Alonzo Mourning. Uh, they're dunking, blah, blah, blah. But <coughs> unfortunately, word got back to John Thompson that Alonzo Mourning had all the drug dealers from D.C. and Virginia coming up and a lot of the guys from Southside. Dave didn't listen when he said, next time one of those guys come on campus, I'm taking away your scholarship. What John Thompson did was the biggest drug dealer in Washington, D.C. He told, he got word to him to meet him in his office, and he told him, stay away from him, in a nice way. And the drug dealer listened to John Thompson. Alonzo Mourning stayed. The rest is history as he became one of the great, great NBA players over the years. It's a fact. Hmm. You know what's so crazy about Coach, though? He's a legend. I'll tell you what. How how do you how did you build the relationships? Because when we watch documentaries and things like that, how does that happen? <laughs> like, what was the first thing you've done with people? Because they say that you have the eye for talent. Yeah, so I, what, I like to think. So what, what 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 was the first eye for talent that you had that you presented with? Your, your name will be going to that pool. I had a kid that was at Andrew Jackson, and I didn't know he was at Andrew Jackson. So we're playing a softball game, Preller Field, uh, near Van Buren. It's a Saturday morning in June. And we have three firemen that are going to be late because they get off work at 9. They get there about 9.20. We don't want, we could start the game with 8. So I had a guy come, uh, a baseball player from Cardoza that also played basketball, Russell Castle to start us off with nine. So they're yelling, where's Russell? Go. So I went across the street to call him because there was no cell phones then. As I'm walking across the street, I see this big kid bopping down the court. You know, he got a ball in his hand, walking into the YMCA. Hey, you. He turns around like, yeah, you. I go, you, you play basketball? He goes, yeah. Are you good? He goes, yeah. Now, he looked like he was... 12 years old, but he was about 6'10". So I go, you in junior high school? He goes, no. So I'm thinking, he can't be in elementary school. Because <laughs> he, look, he looked like he was 10 years old. So I go, you in high school? He goes, yeah. I go, what high school? He goes, Andrew Jackson. So I said, oh, crud. Another <laughs> stud play. So I go, <clears throat> so I go, did you play for them? He goes, yeah, he lied to me. I said, I know everybody on Andrew Jackson. I never saw you, blah, blah, blah. I go, are you playing for them this year? 
He goes, no. So I go, why? He goes, I'm transferring to Cardozo or Van Buren. So I go, why those two schools? He goes, both coaches are call calling me up. They want me to transfer. So I go, you're full of crap. So my guys are yelling, the hell with that kid? Will you call? So I quickly, I grab him because there was something sincere. I grab him. I, Russell's mother said he'll be there. And I see Russell Parkinson. We'll be right. So we have enough guys to start. We don't forfeit our, our first playoff game. And he, he, I was very, what do you mean? I'm the coach, blah, blah, blah. But there was something about him that was sincere. So I run into the softball field, a softball box. I rip off the uh, clincher puck, and I write his name and phone number. I write my name and phone number. By the time I get home, his mother called three times. So I said, listen, I, didn't, I don't want to be accused of anything, but your son said, she said, no, no, the guidance counselors of Cardozo and Van Buren to talk to him. And if he can't get in, we're going to send him down to his grandparents in South Carolina. Well, the mother tried six times, couldn't get him in. She's crying to me, she's crying to me. <clears throat> she tried again the first day of school. She says, I'm going to send him down to King Street, South Carolina, to live with his grandparents because Jackson's not the move, his grades are suffering, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, we'll try one more time. She went in there, and the same lady that rejected her, she comes in, and a lady, and she just starts breaking down and crying. And the lady felt sorry for her, and evidently, because it was early, some kids that were juniors, the junior enrollment went down, so she said, go to Cardozo. The first time I saw him play, I couldn't believe how bad he was. He couldn't play. I mean, he couldn't hit a, His first, he didn't even know how to run. He galloped. And I was obsessed with making him a ball player. First of all, he was an athlete. He had good hands. I played touch football. I'm young. I put him on the touch football team as the giver. I had him touch football on the short plays, but throw it to me. He's 6'10", 6'11", you know? And to this day, they still tease me because could you imagine being normal-sized quarterback and you got a seven-footer with arms like this? You can't see it. So, but we laugh about it. But every day, I took him to PS46 Park, and we worked out. Catch the ball, drop step. He was so bad. I had a, he didn't even know how to glide and lay it in. So I had a, he was a righty. So I'd say, lift your left foot. When I throw him the ball, he'd plant left and go up. That's how virginous he was. Mm. But he had good hands. I used to teach him timing, not leave your feet until the defense. And he started slowly but surely getting it. And as a junior, we start, you know, I could play him, but not play him. But, you know, uh, junior summer, nonstop work with the rest of the kids. And basically, I created a, a basketball Frankenstein because his senior year, he averaged 12.2 blocks, like 15 points, 14 rebounds. Temple University, the legendary coach John Shaney offers him. He goes there four years later with the 17th pick in the NBA draft. The New York Knicks select ah, Gerard Mustaf with the 18th pick. The Sacramento Kings select Dwayne Coswell. And it was great to see him be an 18th pick in the NBA draft of 1990. So, 32 years ago, wow. 
So wait, hold on. So you saw that you created him that. Oh, we left. Forget about it. So so <laughs> how? So then the story went out about you yeah. doing that. So that's why because, because they, they couldn't believe he played. Like the coach, Granby. I mean, the one thing it was he had height, but he couldn't play, and I didn't realize he couldn't play. But I think that that was my forcefulness. You know, I have a very demanding stick to itiveness. Stick to this. You know, like just keep keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. So from 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 that being the first one, that because when people look to you mm. for for guidance and stuff like that. Well, then you know what? Here I am at ISA in Southside. People are seeing my kids are getting him into college. Bernie Gober, the principal of ISA, had a lot of kids go to I, uh, Andrew Jackson. <clears throat> that after four years either didn't graduate or didn't go to college. This is not a knock on Coach Granby. Coach Granby truly tried, but sometimes the environment at a school, Cardozo environment is when the bell rings, you're in class. And thank God the word got out. I'm in the, I'm in the neighborhood. People are getting my number. Hey, Coach, I want you to look at this kid. Coach, I want you to look at this kid. Coach, this kid's at this Catholic school. Uh, they <laughs> lied to him. They said they were going to give him a full tuition. They're not. He's got to pay half. Uh, are you interested? Are you interested? And success breeds success, just like you guys with script the flip. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what you did there. You know. Let me, wait, hold on. So you still what, doing? You still doing it now too? Because off camera, I seen you talking to uh, shout out Killer Cam, yeah. legendary Queens. Killer, uh, yeah, Killer Cam, Killer Cam, you know Tyler saying? played for me. You know, I've been blessed. I've had ninety-one kids that play for me, that played Division One, which is a ridiculous number. Uh, I've had like 52 go Division Two, uh, countless others Division Three JUCO. I've had uh, four play in the NBA. Mm. I got 11 coaching in college now, and I got one assistant coach at the Brooklyn Nets in Royal Ivy. Hold on, before we, what was the guy's name again? Dwayne what? Cosmo. I never understood how to hold Division One, Two, Three. Like, can you explain to me? Because I'm, you know, explain. Division Three is you pay your way or financial aid. Let's go, coach. Talk to me. Yeah. Division Two, mm. you can get a scholarship, but it's not the high level. Division One is the high level. Division One is what you see the Final Four every April. You know, Do all those schools. the BMFs, C- the C- bad C- mother. Watch your mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, D one is where you, where you want to go if you're playing ball. Because D one is likely a chance for you. That's to more. Get, that's clo- that's that's the next D like one football. That's the big time. Alabama, Clemson. That's have, all the, all the big have, schools. Have anybody from Division three make it to the NBA? Uh, they've been one or two. It's, you know, the kid Devion George, who was a pick of the Lakers. You know, but it's but the odds. Yeah, uh, monumental. Didn't Scotty Pippen? Extremely um, rare then. Yeah, Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen was Division yeah. Three. Oh, for real? Scotty Pippen was yeah, Division Pippen two. was Division Three and two. or two. But still, it's you know it's hard. It's it's, it's rare. Why is it so hard though, Coach? Because of the colleges. Because the better players, you know, go to the higher level. What if it could be a money thing? Oh no. No, because if you're getting a scholarship, you'd rather get the same scholarship to play. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know. That's a fact. So. So, so, so Dwayne Coswell was the first first NBA player that you put together. Yeah, I mean, I worked with a lot of 
players that didn't go to Cardozo, a Khalid Reeves, who went to Christ the Queen. Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, Christ the King. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, he, you know, I was hoping he would come to Cardozo. His mother wanted him with me. His father wanted him at Christ the King. It turned out good for him. But uh, you know, I've been with so many. You know, I used to work out NBA guys, Ron Artest, uh, Troy Murphy. You worked out Paul, Paul Pierce too, right? Yeah, uh, Paul Pierce, Amika Okafor, uh, Lamar Odom, Troy hello. Murphy, Sebastian Telfair, Ben Gordon. Mm. Uh, but, but what I want to ask coaches is that how? Okay, so, all right, that happened. You you do that. He makes it. What's the um? How do they get you to be that guy? Like you said that. I don't know. Uh, I just think it's being there, talking, opening up. I mean. Is it word of mouth? Yeah, as well? you know, word of mouth. They see you. They start seeing you. They're like, you start doing some drills. You know, I mean, Elton Brand, who's not a GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, I worked him out a couple of times and showed him a couple of moves. And he said he used, that was a move, a saving move that, you know, because most teams have you scouted, and this was the move that when a guy was bigger and stronger than him, that he would do. It'd be like a reverse spin lock, because he could use his quickness over the size. You know? Now, he picked it up. I showed the same move to Taj Gibson, who's still playing in the NBA. Shout out to Taj. Mm. Yeah. You know? Now, did Taj work on it? I don't know. You know? I don't know. What's the move? It's the same reverse spin. It's a reverse spin in the post, instead of squaring up. Because Taj... Is also, he's a little undersized sometimes because he's only 6'10", which sounds small, but some of the guys are 7'2", but he's very quick, and he's very quick, and he's got good footwork. So it's, it's a lot of times when you're guarding a guy, you're not used to, like, the about-face. It's like an about-face move. And so you... Yeah, you show me a little... Listen. How you doing, G? Uh, I don't know this reverse spin. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's you know it's coach. It's, just tell us how to do it, man. Come <laughs> on, you pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coach, there you go. Yeah, I should run the basketball well, upstairs, man. So when you have it normally, wait, hold on, coach. Come here, come there, come on, come on the table, man. So the big camera can see. Watch your step. Oh, yeah, there you go. Right now, right, come on, man. Come on, yeah, coach. <laughs> <laughs> so here, so most times when you get your back to your basket, you mm -hmm. square up. Or you square up. But this would be, if there's a little peg, you have it, you you rip through, you rip through at the guy, one dribble, and you spin. So the guy's stunned. But oh, okay. yeah, you know, or you do the other one. You get it? I'm ripping through on you. I'm ripping through on the defense, taking the dribble, and I'm spinning. I'm playing defense, yeah. So I'm, I get the ball, okay? So now you're used to, you're used to me just quit turning. Mm. So now I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna rip through right here, right here. Take a dribble and spin on you. Oh. But, I'm, but I'm gonna spin on you. But remember, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a good move. Uh, you made that up, coach? I don't know, man. Get away. <laughs> you know that, man. You got that from like. What, you made that up, coach? I don't know where that is. How do you think about that? No, no, no. I gotta get at you now. Well, you're working, listen, listen, you know, coach, how did you think about that, man? What well, did you watch and think about that? You don't just make something like that up. Well, you know what? You look at guys and you see what. Put the mic close to you, coach. Put the mic close to you. Yeah. You, look, you look at guys and you see good. Good right what they can do and what they can't do. You know, so the kids today try to do too much. You talking about as far as dribbling yeah, and Yeah, they 62 moves. I mean, some, <laughs> guy, some guys I can go, I could guard them like this. Oh. Take a nap because that's the boom, 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 bo
Mm. One or two moves and go. I tell my team, you have one 1,000 when you catch it, and by it's one 1,000, two 1,000, if you didn't do something, you better pass. Mm. I'm going to ask you a question, Coach. Now, yeah. I'm going to make a confession real quick. I only said this because Star from Star and Buck Wild, he said this, mm -hmm. that Larry Bird was was good, like gave Jordan a hard time. Nah, I, I didn't know. I just I just followed him. But was Larry Bird, in your opinion, good? Was he able to give? Was, no, no, don't make no. I mean, Michael Jordan to me is the greatest ever. Mm. Of course, but did Larry Bird was Larry Bird? What, what what was it about Larry Bird that a guy like Star could say he gave Jordan at one point a hard time? Well, first of all, Bird is, fine, Bird yeah. is bigger than you think. He's he's six ten. He's 6'10". Yeah, he's you know, tough. Right? He's 6'10". Two, player. he was so skilled, left hand and right hand, that, and he can shoot so well, and it was so fundamentally sound that he found the way, whether it be hold Jordan off, get a lefty hook, and he was quick, and he never stopped moving, never stopped moving. So if, if Jordan had him on lock, he would pass, and he was smart enough to Use the screens, you know, mm -hmm. and then if he got it and Jordan's coming, he was quick enough to get it off. I mean, he was he was feisty, you know. But like, did they he said, get the best of Jordan? They said he talked a lot too. They said he oh, was Larry Bird was one of the all time <laughs> crap poppers. But he was a tough player too, though. Like he's Larry Bird, scrappy top. player, like on the floor jumping oh, over the yeah. like he's he scrappy was, player. He was a throwback. He was he was he who he's who they say oh, he yeah, is. He was I mean, come on, Larry Bird. <laughs> He's one of the all-time greats. Larry Legend. One of the all-time greats. I mean, on a level, you know, very few will ever come close to reaching. Yeah, he's different. Yeah. What made him so so just his, his IQ. His is IQ, it? he saw plus he made everybody else around him better. That's you know, the greatness. You know, and then he knew how to and then he had Parrish and he had uh Mikhail. Mikhail. And mm. they, you know, and they and they just you know, it was like the Knicks with Reed, DeBusha, Bradley, Frazier, Monroe, what Dick Barnett. They just, they meshed. It was like they all knew he's going back. They just, it was like an orchestra with, with everybody on the same page. And you very rarely see that today. Um, I said this earlier, and then before we get to the other players. <clears throat> you know Lenny Cook, right? Lenny. Lenny's my man. I wish, I wish things could have turned out the way I thought they could have turned out for Lenny. Because Lenny, would he have been an all-time great? I think this. He would have been an NBA player, averaging 18 to 20 in the NBA. Well, now, if you're in the NBA and you're averaging 18 to 20, that means you're a borderline all-star, and you're probably making 15, 20, 25 million a year. So that's pretty damn good. What was your first assessment of him when you would see him play back back then? Like, what did you we, think? We saw you in the documentary. I, would, I right? was mm. I was at the LeBron game, mm. and Fairleigh oh. <coughs> Dickinson, and he got caught up with the hype, and he started doing the do do do, just make a move and go, you know. But you know, unfortunately, he had people starting coming to his lives, you know, when he was living the NBA life before he got to the NBA. Coach, stop being nice, Coach. Hold on, <laughs> come on. We, let's, let's flip the script. We're not going to be nice. Let's talk about it. Lenny Cook, we saw you in a documentary, 
and you you had some words for him. It wasn't, you know, you were just saying as far as, you know, don't be too nice. Do you blame the guy that gave him that upfront money? Do you blame the person that tried to recruit him or the guy from Detroit? Yeah, wasn't I, I said his name? Uh, something Wilson. I forgot. I you forgot. know what the sad thing is? He when he was at LaSalle, there was a white kid who lived up in Old Japan. They're very, very affluent. And they kind of took Lenny in. Yes, the mother. And I, she yeah. didn't need anything from Lenny if he made it big. But unfortunately, the hood mentality, and uh, mm-hmm. I got to get it now. You know what I would have to say if I said this about Lenny Cook? Lenny's a great kid, but Lenny's the type of kid. Lenny, shut up for one minute, 60 seconds, and you'll make the NBA. You'll make it big in the NBA. You'll get that big contract. Shut up for 60 seconds, one minute. Lenny's the type of kid, after 59 seconds, will go, is it a minute yet? Mm. And... Was LeBron more polished than him? Because that's what somebody said. Somebody yeah. said that LeBron... LeBron th- was more polished. LeBron uh, was more disciplined on the court. And I think LeBron, coming from Akron, Ohio, was actually helped because he didn't have the New York City hangers-on. You know, when you're in Akron and all of a sudden the homeboys start coming around... It's a lot easier. Hey, this guy's not from here. 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 Then in New York, mm. because New York's like a wave. They're just coming. <laughs> They're coming. It don't matter, you know. And I think also Lenny, playing in the Rucker, playing here, got caught up in the flashiness. Caught up in the hype. The hype mm. that. In the NBA, Skip to My Lou was Ray for Alston. He wasn't Skip to My Lou in the NBA. So when we interviewed him, we, we, we talked to Lenny, I mean, and, um, you know, he took accountability. And but I remember seeing you on there describing, like, you know, if he stay focused and stay on the path, he could be in the NBA. And yeah, I and really, you know what I mean. It's sad. The lady that he was staying with, you know, she did take him in, and um, but the, I would work Lenny out a lot. I would take him over Basketball City. We would work out. He he was talented, but wow. he didn't he he like he didn't understand the game the way I hoped. Like you got to break that down. Cause what do you mean he didn't understand? Well, like here, yeah, like if you can get the ball and just rip through and go right and you bite a guy and you dunk it but you don't you get it and you're hemming and you're whoring and then now the defense is almost like drying cement Mm. you know like yo you didn't see that there was the guys backing off on you just take the shot you know you got you know i mean you get certain things the game the game believe it or not the game tells you how to play, mm. what to do. The game tells you. So, Michael Jordan, when he played against the Knicks that time, coming back from baseball, 
and he had like 56 points, and it's tie score. Everybody knows Jordan's getting the ball. The game told Michael Jordan when the clock was winding down, he spun, three guys were on him. Patrick Ewing comes over. Who's open for a layup? Bill Wennington. The game told Mike, nope, you don't shoot over three. Just pass it to Wennington. Wennington dunked it. They win the game. Mm. That was the play that had to be made. You always got to play the game correct. So in your opinion, you said you said at the game, yeah. the, the LeBron game versus yeah. Lenny Cook, what do you think happened? You know, Lenny, Lenny said... The more the game went on, the more LeBron started separating. In the beginning, Lenny... The first five or six minutes, Lenny. Was yeah, he right. said he said in the beginning he he played well. He said he, yeah. he started to get a little tired because he was hanging out and you know. Oh, hanging out. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are you doing? <laughs> but you know, Coach, I was kind of mad. There was a guy on there. It was Stu Lash, Stu. What is it? I forgot his name. There's a guy on there, man. I, I forgot. He do something for Adidas, and um, Stu something. Uh, yeah, man. I listen. I, that's the other oh. thing too. That's when the sneaker company started. Oh. Like Sonny Vaccaro was already working LeBron James. To give yeah. LeBron James. I'm going to ask you a real question, million. too. You know, it's like, it's all, everything's money. But, Coach, you got to be, mm. Coach, hold on, Coach. I want you to be real with me because you keep it real. You from Queens. First, do you not blame Mike Harrison for giving him 350000 and distracting him, taking advantage? Listen. Can you give him the blame? Listen, listen. If you, yes. <laughs> You're giving a kid. Why are you giving this kid $350,000? Are you a multimillionaire and you feel sorry for Lenny? You're buying him. You're, buy, you're trying to buy him. Hmm. Figuring, I give him 350000 He might be worth $135 million. I get 10%, So it's an investment. But that's that's but they're all doing it. It's like it's a it's a shaky business. The game has gotten ugly because money has filtered down. Filtered down. When I was growing up, there was no money in high school. There was no money in college. The only money you made if you made the NBA. Now you got this name, image, and likeness deal in college. Guys are making money. I mean the the center run the center run Kentucky, I heard made made in name, image, and likeness deals has made one point two million already this year. Like, are you kidding me? And then in high school, you know, name, image, and likeness. There's a kid on Stepanek and a kid on Cardinal Hayes. They're getting money. Now, I, I understand, you know, they can earn it. But it takes a certain person to not get poisoned by the green. Well, that's, well but hold on, though. But it's kind of unfair. And, and, and it, it's a discipline, though, because that's what Lenny said. Lenny said he wished he had somebody on him. To, to teach him or discipline him to, to like, you know, because he said that when he was living with, uh, I, forget, I forget the lady's Debbie name. Gordon. Debbie Gordon. Miss Debbie, yeah, when he was mm -hmm. living with Debbie um, and her husband, he said that he was able to get away with a lot. But if his father was around, you know, because his parents, he said that he wouldn't have done yeah. or be able to get away with her. He well, said that. Well, you know that. what it is, too? Debbie was great, and the, and the husband was great, but you have a kid who's, 17, 18, he's not a little bit, you know, like the discipline factor was you just hope he naturally flowed correctly. True. Instead of giving him a kick in the behind. And it's hard. Now I'm going to ask you this question. He was, he said, now I'm going to ask you your opinion, coach, you don't be biased. I'm watching you from Queens. Would you say that it was, they intentionally, not 
have him play LeBron when he was part of Celtics. the Celtics. I want you to be honest, Coach. Was that I think I'm not a basketball man. You know what? That, 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 I think I, it was intentionally done. Rumor. I heard that rumor. No, what do you think? I say you heard the well, rumor. Well, you know what? <laughs> Come on, Coach. I, I would love for the Celtics to have played Lenny because mm. hopefully Lenny realized I'm in NBA summer camp as an unsigned free agent. The guy that I was supposed to be 1A, 1B, 1C, LeBron James, is playing as the first pick with a guaranteed five-year this, you know, Nike contract. So hopefully Lenny's pride, if he got a chance, he would have done that day what he didn't do a couple of years earlier in New Jersey. But do you do you think that that they 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 might have put a put a, uh, yeah, they, a might, they might have yeah they might have because they yeah, felt they that he could have he he could have turned up that yeah, day and then yeah. I heard that they were trying to secure LeBron for Adidas before you know right that's yeah, what they were trying yeah, to do yeah 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 was, everything was was amazing with the sneaker contracts with these guys yeah, coach you know? you know what I'm talking about coach yeah. don't be nice <laughs> no you got I heard you a guy that talking real they tried they didn't want to play him. Not say he. Who knows how he would have done? He might have played big. Who knows? LeBron might have gotten the best of him. We don't know, you know. But, but that was his chance to have revenge. That was years. a chance. Yeah. That was his chance to undo what was done when they were at the Adidas ABCD camp, mm. and he didn't get that second chance. You know what I told him real quick? I said maybe you didn't deserve it. He said nobody never told him. I said maybe they felt that you didn't deserve that chance, and he said flip. Nobody has never told me that from that perspective. I said, you have squandered opportunities. Yeah. You were on the, if you watch his documentary, all the stuff that he was doing. Coming in I late said, to the Yeah, coming in late. Coming in, you even said that the, the time of the LeBron game, you said that you came in, you, you was drunk. You know, you, you had a hangover. Like, you, I mean, maybe, maybe you didn't deserve it. It's, it's a high school camp. You know, I mean, you know, that he was supposed to be watched under the guidance of, oh, wow. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like he's at a college party. This was a high school camp with the top 100 high school players in attendance. Mm. So if you're out there, you know that's 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 not good. You know that's, that shows you like wow. Would you have played Lenny in that that, that Celtics game if you were coaching? Yeah, I would have. I have a I have a strong affection for New York City kids mm. and. If I was with the Celtics and I had the ability to sub him in or play him, I would have. And he said he, they played him every game except, except for, for except for he said they played me. He said I played every game except for that game. You know what that 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 does say? He said that was my chance yeah. to get it back. But I said maybe you ain't deserve it. Yeah, that's yeah. Sad. it is sad. And I, I watched you in the documentary years ago, looking way younger, saying <laughs> that man if he if he. If he stay focused, man, he I saw it. I'm like, look at coach, man. And then You know what said? You're such a product of your environment. And Ooh. when things when you grow up incorrect, it is hard years later to finish correct. That's why I tell my kids, you get one chance. Don't blow it, because you might not get a second chance. Mm. You know? And, but kids are kids, you know, mm -hmm. drinking, smoking, you know, the opposite sex. It's part of growing up. Right, sure. You know, 
And sometimes <coughs> it's sometimes it's really funny how people talk about try to give guidance or tell a person what to do when in their life privately they were just as screwed up or as nutty as the person they're giving advice to. Mm. You know? <coughs> the key is you can't, you got you can't go over that line, man. You can't go over that line. Right. You know? And then Lenny, did you dedicate yourself every day to be the best basketball player? Were you hitting the weights? Were you in the best shape? Were you working on your, your strengths? Were you working on your left hand, which was not on the same level as your right? Were you working? Lenny was strong as hell, though. Lenny was quick. Lenny, did you watch tape on, because all the good ones watch tape, maybe of other guys that they want to emulate, or watch tape of themselves to see what they're doing good, to see doing bad. Mm. And when Lenny was going good, he was doing real good. But then you know what? Like I said, the game tells you how to play. So if I'm a guy that wants to be a pro, and I'm coming off screens because I'm a great shooter, and the ball's not getting to me when I'm open, because the guy with the ball, he's more me than we, and I don't get my shot off in time or in rhythm, I'm not going to want to play with a guy like that. Right. You know? He said he didn't care how have time when he was playing about that. He was he was more of a me player. That's what he said too on, on the interview. He did say that. Yeah, but well, that's what I'm about. saying. You can't. You know, like if you if you're an owner of a team, are you going to invest a lot of guaranteed money in a person that you see has problems and not working on solutions to the problem? You're not going to give a guy guaranteed money. But, but but why do you think? In your personal professional opinion, why do you think they that he did he didn't get drafted? It was the next year. Why do you think he never got drafted? Because <coughs> he said that that's what he, the money was given to him. He was promised that he'll be a draft pick. Why do you think that he never got picked? I, I I actually think that the more you get the hype, the more the NBA teams look into you. NBA teams hire former FBI guys former cops to do background checks. I've gotten hundreds of phone calls. Hey, coach, how you doing? It's so-and-so from the Pacers. So-and-so's going to call you. Yo, uh, Lloyd Daniels, uh, you know the kid who had the drug problem? Uh, how bad a drug problem did he have? Uh, or, you know, happened with Ray Alston. People would call me. The teams. Craig Popovich, when he was with the Spurs, wanted to know about Ray because there were things in Rafer's past that weren't good. They want to know, you know? Just like if you were involved with a girl, you want to know certain things about her, you know? And if there's certain red flags, you might say she's pretty, but, you know, I got an adios amigos. He said, he said, he said that he think that uh, it was the look. He said because Allen Iverson, he said that, I guess the, I don't know, his look or the persona because – a lot of people blame Allen Iverson for messing up a lot of things as far as the dress code. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, you know, and, unfortunately, corporate America pays the bills of all these, you know, NFL, baseball, and basketball. And mm -hmm. corporate America, you know, if you're going to be bad for that product, well, they don't want you around. You know, and it's sad. And that year they draft, That's I mean, that year... Yao Ming got drafted. A lot of mm -hmm. overseas yeah, yeah. guys got drafted. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, like, I mean, it's... You know, it's, like, I, like I tell guys, you know, 
If you want a job on Wall Street and you're walking in with all these tattoos on your face and your arms, right there, there might be something, whether it's right or wrong, you might be a genius. You might make that company a billion dollars, but you don't fit the mold. And Is there only a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity that they'll take a chance on somebody like that? That has well, a tattoo you know on his face? That's what that, I would say. Everybody deserves a second chance. Respect. But I've never gotten one chance. Mm. I've never got a chance. That's what your to mom told you. An NBA team. I never got a chance to coach at St. John's, my dream job. Why not? They didn't think I was good enough, or I didn't fit the mold, or. They didn't think I was qualified. Whatever, you know. Why do some guys get there? You know, like basketball. There's no rule that says you win too many games in high school, you automatically get to college. You win too many games in college, you automatically get to the pros. No, there's no normal step one, step two. You know, you need a rabbi. Mm. You need a rabbi. You know, 30, 40 years ago when I realized I needed a rabbi, you know, I started buying matzah and eating matzah. Hopefully, I would find the rabbi. But but you, you tried know, though. I, I, you know, I, oh. you, you sent that. I, I seen on YouTube. I watched some videos. You said you sent them like a million email, uh, well, emails, letters. I, I remember I wrote the owner of the Knicks mm -hmm. a letter every two, three weeks, or every month for five, six, seven years, and. Never heard back. I'm on the subway one day. Hey, coach, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. We start talking. Oh, I didn't know who the guy was. Yeah, hey, coach, we're talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, this and that. You don't remember? So I'm acting like I know him. He goes, yo, coach, what happened? I go, what do you mean? Why'd you stop writing? What are you talking about writing? He goes, yeah. He goes, I run Madison Square Garden mailroom. Every... I used to see all these letters, behind the Clary, blah, 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 blah. What happened? I didn't want to answer to him. I go, I got tired of, you know, nobody responded. No, you know, you, did I give up? You know, but I now I realize that Somebody's seeing the letter. Somebody's getting a letter. I don't even know if after a couple of months they just said, oh, it's the Clario again. Throw it in the garbage before. I did everything, man. I would write funny poems. I would do anything. You had to see it. But uh, what really was weird was I get, a, get the fight again to try to get a job with the Knicks. And Isaiah Thomas was the GM. And I wrote for a magazine called Hoop School. And I didn't abuse it for NBA, but once in a while I would get a media pass. So here I am. I'm going to give it a shot. I got all my article, I got everything, and I'm going to give it to Isaiah Thomas. But I knew there were people in the garden that 
knew I could be, you know, a job, hurt them, whatever. So I had a friend named Tommy Hackett, who was a New York City police uh, cop, 20 years. He now is head of CBS TV security, used to be CBS Sports. But before that, he was director of security for Madison Square Garden. And he would be the guy, you know, where the player's entrance, you know, when they come out in the court, he would be the chief's guy. So we start talking. I'm in there. I'm waiting for the moment to grab Isaiah Thomas after this game. And I'm waiting. All of a sudden, Tommy comes in. Ron, you're not going to believe it. What? He goes, I have to escort you out of the garden. What? Somebody knows what you're trying to do. They, you put a little fear in them. So I have to leave. So I said, Tommy, I don't want to get you in trouble. So he escorted me out of the garden. So now I know how Charles Oliver <coughs> And to that day, uh, 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 I haven't really been a hundred percent Nick fan. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, Coach. Let, let, let's let's because this, this is some serious I allegations. I think hold I on. know who it was. I don't want to say it until you know who it was, but it was a, it was assistant GM, and well, he thought coach, I was. Coach, don't, don't let me Google it, Coach. No, no, no. You can go. I mean, you know, you can Google, Google, Smoogle, <laughs> Google, Kajugle. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't let me Google it, Coach. My my, my Google is up. No, let me, I'm, I'm writing it. Yeah. See, not stopping you. Right, it wasn't Isaiah. It was not Isaiah Thomas. But this is what I'm saying. You was writing the companies for years. You had plenty of time to think and analyze. You're a man that's out there that you you you, you speak sense to the youth, and you're out there. You, you you're on the field. Now I say that to say that you have to. It's, you seem very smart in your IQ level with basketball and, and life in general. You've been here. It has to be something that came to your mind of why. You know, you, you can't say you didn't fit the mold. What did you ever offend somebody? Did you might have done if something? I did. I don't know. You don't remember you anything that I, you might I, have done. I do know this. Those are great jobs, life-changing jobs, and when you're in a level like that, if there's a couple of people that have great jobs that might not meet the level of their job title, they're looking elsewhere. Mm. And I could have been, you know, they could have been fearful that I get in and whoa, the Clario does this, the Clario does that, and all of a sudden they become expendable. I know one NBA coach who passed away. He Now, if I was a coach in the NBA, I'd hire the three greatest coaches I could hire. He said he never wanted to hire anybody that knew more than him because if they record was tough, that they would be expendable and they would hire one of the assistants. And he explained why. If there's nobody in the seat next to the head coach that they believe can do as good a job, if not better, well, then you know what? Let's just stay with him. Let's just stay with him. 
you know. And I've never been there. I don't know. I know guys in the league that are coaching that, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but they're there and I'm not. But I've gotten over it now. I've gotten over it. You know, I mean, at my age, what is am I going to do? Start a, start a job that a 25-year-old? Is it too late for you? I mean, Royal Ivy, who's, who played for me, his assistant coach in the Nets, said if he ever gets a head job, he's taking me with him. Hopefully he's, he sincerely means that. Uh, and if he got a head job in the NBA and he offered it and I spoke to all my friends, they would say, Ron, you got to leave Cardozo. If that happens. I don't know. How old are you now, Coach? 65. Oh, hold on. I think I found a name. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, hold on. Okay, here we go. So Isaiah <laughs> Thomas was president of basketball operations in 2003 to 2004 to 2007-2008, general manager 2003-2004. Okay, now. I think it was more like. 2003, 2004, though. Now, here we go. Hold on. I ain't letting you get away from that far. <laughs> now, we have a, oh, let me see. We have a Jamie Matthews. We have a, a Scott Perry, but that's that's recent. Scott Perry's there now, I think. Yeah, 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 yep. That's what it says. Hold on. I'm going to get you right now, Coach. You ain't going to just get away with that, just saying things that you don't want to say. It. We got to get down to the bottom of who's playing with the coach. <laughs> Why would you think that this person would do that, though? Well, I got to know, got to know the person, and you know, I started telling them my vision and my thoughts. And sometimes guys were set in their ways. And the Knicks, if you notice, the Knicks just usually stay status quo. They don't like to rock the boat. Wait, oh, wait, 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 what? So hold on, you was. <laughs> what happened? What happened? You mean to tell me that you got to know this person, you became his, a friend? Well, I, I, no, I, you, being around and you, was, you talk. And, and you was giving him pointers of yeah, what talk, should be done? You know, I, I, I'm, see, the thing is this. I would say the person's name, but I don't know. Now, I never asked. I never asked Tommy Hackett who it was. Maybe one day before I die, I'll ask him and he'll tell me. But I had... It had... It, it, it was somebody high up in the organization. Or it could have been two or three people. But listen, I'm not going to dwell on that, you know. It wasn't Glenn. Glenn Ball, no. It wasn't Steve. No. Mills? I'm just calling names yeah. out to see how you react. <laughs> well, just call the names I'll out. I'll leave it like this. Just call the names out to see how you react, Coach. Hold I, on. I no, 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 no. Let's flip the script, Coach. I'm not. <laughs> hold on now. I, uh... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, Allen Houston, but that was no, assistant. No, no. Allen Houston was playing then. No, it said, but it said he was assistant to the general manager in 2008. You, you did? You, I, I, it might have been 2000. It might have been the first regime. You know, 2003, 2000. The years, you know, I just stopped. It was, I know it was in like between 2002 and 2008 or nine. So, so, so what I'm saying is that when you were giving him pointers, what do you think that this person, this said person, might have got offended by because you do he, come you, you I, I do was a come off abra abracious. You do come off like that, coach. You do, <laughs> yeah, but so. it's passion. He's, I think it's passion. I think it's love. I think it's hustle, intensity, desire. But to somebody else, it's like oh, you know, because if you start hearing 
new things that make sense when you're, because let's face it, the last time the Knicks won a championship, who was the ball boy? <laughs> you. 1973. It wasn't, no, 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 that's just account executive. So, so, so I just want to, I just want to ask this coach real quick before we move on. Because I think that is, is, is all jokes aside, I don't know people, uh, this is flip fashion. This is how we do. No, and the thing is this, I might have, he might have flipped on me behind the scenes and he got what he wanted, you know, but he's not there. I, 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 you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to say... I know it was definitely one person. Was it two? I don't But listen, you move on. Coach, no, no, coach, 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 coach. Just flip the script, coach. And I don't but mean to... But to be escorted out of the garden. I mean, come it's on, man. Crazy. I, I don't mean to cut you off, coach. And I haven't cut somebody off in a long time. Mm. You're not going to bring me back there, coach. But we got to... You get too much respect out here. I need to get down. Your father, this legend, right here. Help Dr. King. We're not going to allow you, coach, to sit up here. Put this right here so you can be reminded of the legendary status that is presented. We're not going to allow you to sit here and act like I'm going to get down to the bottom of this. I'm getting down to the bottom. All right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call uh, I'm gonna call 911, ask the police chief, you know, go back. No, no, because what I'm just trying to figure out. Okay, so. You do come off as a guy. Yeah. I know this. Like, a lot, hold on, coach. Hold on. A lot of people talk good about you. But you come off as a guy because of your experience that you don't hide what you, how you feel. You're going to express it. No. Do you feel like maybe you might have, like, you were doing it from your heart. Do you feel yeah. like some people get intimidated? Do you yeah, think they, it was intimidation? I definitely think some people get intimidated. And you know what? Evidently, whatever route I took, or change a little, it didn't work. But there's no guarantees you're going to be a, a pro coach or college coach. And then you also find out in this business, like any business, a lot of the people you think are your friends really aren't your friends. True. You know? And I say this now. I say this now. It's not who you know. It's not who you know. It's who you know that's willing to give you a break or help you. Mm. Mm. So oh, if you know everybody, but oh, none of those people are willing to give you a chance, you know, because let's face it, 99.99% of, of the people in the world, somebody opened the door for them. Somebody opened the door for them. Even if you're a Wall Street guy that's making a billion dollars a year now, Somebody hired you, lone man on the totem pole, so you can get on the on totem pole to get to the top. You know, even if you were good enough to be a first round draft pick, somebody thought highly enough to select you. You know, and listen, the other thing too is I, I've never been a good businessman. You know, I mean, if I was twenty years younger, I would. A lot of coaches have agents. I probably would have hired an agent, try to get me either speaking deals or speaking at coaches' clinics or a certain place. You know, and then like the NBA, just like a lot of things, is like a bubble. If you can get into that bubble and you get a good job, 
But something happens. You get fired. It seems like you get recycled. And, you know, the only thing I recycle is the Miller Genuine Draft bottles I drink. I get the nickel deposits. <laughs> and you said this person was an assistant general manager? Yeah. Not general manager? No. Hmm. It's not Scott, right? Scott Perry, no. No, Scott Layden. Nope. Not Dave. Dave. A Dave uh, Checkett? No. Donnie Walsh? No, it's not that. It's I. Come on, Coach. My, oh. I think it might. Well, it might have been a guy with a first name Jeff. Oh. Oh, Coach, you should <laughs> never gave me that. I ain't gonna let them play with you. This flipped the script. But uh, I could be wrong. You know, it could have been. But I, 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 you know what? I wish that I had the heart to ask Tommy Hackett who gave him the order. But wait, it's not Jeff Peterson. The state, Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you're supposed to be script, uh, flip the script, not Sherlock Holmes. Hold on, now, because he violated. No, no. Oh, right, listen, you it is Queens. You, you, you put too much work in. Why are they doing that? That's your dream. Hey, listen. This is your dream. Look how passionate but, but you, you know what? talk about but, that. But, but like, you know Dad. what, though? You know what, though? Mama Love said this to you. She but, asked you, Mama Love. But, but you know what, though? If I would have gotten a job with the Knicks in 2003, 2005, I probably had more in my bank account but my legacy would be no way near as big as it is now. Mm. You know, I didn't realize my assistant coach, Mike Bissett, a couple years ago, he said, Ron, you've accomplished so much. Start enjoying it. So a couple other people that are big, he says, everyone knows you. Wherever you go, everybody knows you. Enjoy it. So I'm going to enjoy it. I hate losing. And we have a game Thursday. We better win. We have a game next Tuesday. We better win. You know? And when are you going to show up to a game, by the way? <laughs> trying to change the subject. Uh, soon, soon, coach. I, well, I, 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 what's the state of Indiana? Indianapolis? The guy, I think he, I, that person has something to do with Indiana. Lives there, came from there, whatever. Let me get the name. You're going to get the name, all right. You know, well, I'll be at it before you find it. <laughs> <laughs> but if I say the name, you're going to admit, like, yeah, Flip, you got it? I mean, you know, that's who, I, honestly... I don't like it, what they did to me. But the coach. thing is this, you know what, right? Now? Coach G. You no, got me where I would like to, you know, Tommy, it's been a long time. You're not at the Garden anymore, you know? And he left, I think, not happily. So I'm going to say, Tom, who was the guy that gave you the order? <laughs> <laughs> who gave you the order? But you know what? Marv Albert's persona non grata at the garden. I'm, you know, I, everybody, all, all the ushers, they all know me. But I don't go to the garden as much as I used to. I go to Barclays now. They're, it seems like the, the whole arena is more fr fan friendly. You know what I mean? Like when you're at the garden, and the old garden was very nice because the garden had the walk around, you know, like upper level walk around. You could walk. Now the garden is just up and down. And if you want to, you know, I'm one of those guys, I'm a hype guy, I want to walk here, say hello to this guy, say hello to that guy, and I'm walking around, and, oh, you can't do this, you can't, everything is you can't, you know? Mm. So I tell the guy, the only can't I like is cantaloupe. <laughs>
Listen, I, I'm how's me. Going? I'm not going to change. Going? How's it going? So. Yeah, G. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that was a good one, man. Oh, man. But, um, like you said, like who, who's to say if the job presented itself, you would have taken it because you were so, like, you you yeah. you, you bleed Cardozo. Yeah, you know I mean, like, honestly, so, right now, if a team – I spoke to Mike Brown, mm. who just got the job at Sacramento, and I text him, and I just said, Mike, is there a chance I could interview? He says, Ron, I didn't know. Uh, I had my whole staff picked out. But then, you know what? If he would have offered me. Would you take it? Well, I'm, I'm going to Sacramento. Yes, you are. I'm not going to Sacramento. You will, coach. He bleeds Cardozo. No, but he's just Royal doing Royal Blue that. and Orange. Yeah, well, you know what it is? That's a defense mechanism, though. No, but do you think he would? The other thing, too, don't... is you know what's weird? You see people in jail for so long. And they get out, 70 years old, 80 years old, and they become institutionalized. Mm. I might be Cardozo-lized. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I don't know what it's like to live. Because it's 51 straight years right. of Cardozo. That's what I'm saying. You know, like even when the season's over. Hey, hold on. Next year. Cardozo. Is it Jeffrey Horneck? I don't know who he is. Oh, damn it. Jeffrey Hornick. Damn, sorry. Not Jeffrey and Gundy, that's coach. No. Just make, I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like I feel like the coach has Hey, listen. Put you know what? Maybe they thought I couldn't handle because you know what? If you see me coach in high school, you go to YouTube, you go. You can't do that in the NBA. Like you can't yell at players. You can't, you know, you can't get in their face like you do as a high school college coach. But if I ever got a job in the NBA, now, I would sit them down and say, listen, especially to the guys that are new in the league, I would say, Got him. Who? Jeff Nix. <laughs> got him. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you Jeff. Hey, Jeff. We ain't let that Jeff. That, that damn Jeff found him. Listen. That damn Jeff. Listen, I'm not saying it's him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did that, coach. All right, well, listen. Why would they throw you out the garden? You became his friend. You were just putting him on like, yo, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, listen, man. What you guys doing over there, man? It looks crazy. Do this. And people with ego and pride. Sometimes in life, we all have situations, even me, I came across situations where people thought that, and flip you a little bit too voices or too, like trying to tell somebody to do something, and you don't mean it like that. It's just a passion of something that you know. Well, but people, you know what? Until you really get to know somebody, it's like a book. Don't judge a book by the cover. You got to read the whole book, mm. you know? And listen. Did he ever stop? Did you, did you have his phone number before? Did you speak to him on the phone? I've written him. And you guys, well, at one point, at one point, you know, you know, we, he would, he knew who Coach Declaria was, you know. Now, whoever did it, was it him? I don't know, but whoever did it had to be feel really, like, you know, twenty minutes later, you know, the players are gonna, you know, you speak to the play, it's over, like, you know, what's the big deal, you know? And, but and only somebody we, that higher up yeah, can was, make that call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was not, yeah, this was higher. But I, you know what? 
I'm going to have to try to find. But like, you know what? Sometimes, like I said, I'm not going to let it eat my heart out. Then it did. You know, and I've come to the, I've come to the realization, the grips, that where I am now could be better, should be better, but it's still pretty good. I'm around kids. They keep me young. You know, it's fun. You know? And maybe, maybe God had that person kick me out so that I got discouraged to stay where I am. I've never been discouraged where I am because I love what I do. I'm hoping I have a great season this year. And I got 15 players, 11 juniors. They're very good. On paper, we should have a very good season next year. Knock on wood, hopefully I'm healthy to coach them and coach for many more years, you know? Did you feel hurt when you guys took it out the garden? Were you, like, embarrassed? I was, I was stunned. You know, like, you know, like, it was like, what? You know, like, listen, you know, you know if you're, you know, you're in a bar and you're doing something crazy, they're going to ask you to leave. You know, <laughs> you know if you're, you know, you're doing something, some women or something, they're going to ask you to leave. But when I got in my car and started driving home, I was like, like, did this really happen? You know, but it did. You know. I don't like that, Coach. But I don't like it either, but you know what? It's life. Let's go. Dozo. Dozo. <laughs> well, I tell you this, I still got the Nick Colors. <laughs> got the Nick Colors. They got to at least make it right with you, man. At least invite yeah, you over there to something that part of Listen, I'm just a little, little pimple on the gardens behind. I, I, I saw something where you had lost your office. What was that about? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my principal came in. She has a different vision of what she wanted. She wanted ROTC in that room. Uh, the office was the nicest office alive. It was beautiful. Beautiful. I don't even want to take it out and show you. <laughs> I saw the pictures. Oh, it's beautiful. That was not. That was the nicest room in New York City Board of Education. And it's ROTC's in there now. There's a new building, the annex that's going to open up. I was told that ROTC will be moving into them, into the annex. And hopefully, I will get that room back and try to rebuild it. Hopefully. If not, that's another. So where are you at now? What's your office now? <laughs> <laughs> office? Oh, man. Office? Look at all the stuff on the wall. and They just, hold on, hold on, hold on. That, that was some room. That was some office. Look at the stuff in, in, in the ceiling. <laughs> what, what, what? Everything. She just took it from you just like that? All right, hold on, hold on now. Well, Get up, G. Get up. It, made, it made Channel 2, Channel 4, yeah, New York it. Post, Daily he, News. Get him. Because now, now, now it's like the second, second time somebody's showing you doing something. The he, had, he had all of the, all his players' uh, um, yeah, letters yeah. and everything, right? Yeah, on, on, on the walls. And, and listen, she thought she needed it. A couple of people tried to tell her, like, well, if it's only going to be two, three years, can't we just put, like, you know, some, like, wallpaper, something so that when... ROTC moves, 
we just take it off. You know, and it be, because everybody saw that room. They were like, nom, nom, nom. I was like, Jackie Gleason and Honeymoons. And like, kids would come in that don't know that about basketball. They're looking, they're looking. Then all of a sudden they see behind my desk, they see all the Martin Luther King stuff. See, Martin Luther King's oldest son, Martin III, came to Cardozo to thank me October 27, 2014. So we had, from, the room might be about eight, nine feet tall, and all Martin Luther King pictures, the son, the daughter, Coretta Scott King, the letter I gave you, pictures of my dad, and it was historical. I mean, it was historical. I mean, so even if you knew nothing about sports and you're walking around, and so many kids, there'd be a couple of Asian kids start looking around in the office, and they'd start looking at, you want a letter? And i give them a copy of the letter, and the next day, uh, excuse me, coach, coach, I showed my parents the letter. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. So, but, you know, that office I spent a lot of time in, especially after my mother died. I live about five blocks from Cardozo, so even when the season was over, I'd go to school, check up on the kids, and I'd just sit in the office to 7, 8 o'clock. Well, she, she was a new principal? Yes. <clears throat> and she was... An assistant principal a couple years earlier, but hey. She's the principal now still? Yes, she is. What you did to the principal, man? <laughs> coach, you got to see, Coach. Oh, is, man. Coach, we've seen it. We've seen it. History, Coach. You know why she took it. For, you know why. You know, Coach. You know. Stop acting like you don't know these things, man. Ain't nobody just come after all them years you was in there. She needed that room for ROTC. She didn't need the room for ROTC, Coach. We know that. They can't go in the gym or something? I know that lady. The lady that, but I went up there for my niece. We wanted to have a meeting at Queens Flipper scaring the students. At Cardozo? Yeah. When was this? Yeah, when Leah graduated. Uh, two years ago? Who'd you go see? I didn't see any. They wanted to have a meeting with me. The parents went up there because my niece got jumped up there. And they said that I was intimidating the students by my power of being Queens Flip. So I would go... Oh. And that's what they said, but they wouldn't have a meeting. They called, but I, I, you know, there's a guy up there. His name is Boo. He was security. Oh, I know Boo. You yeah. know Boo. Boo's yeah. my man. Yeah, so Boo was <laughs> up Boo's there. Boo's not there anymore, though. No, he's not there anymore. No, 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 no. How long? How old do you know Boo? I knew Boo since I was a kid, like about 16 years old. Boo's a good people. Like yeah, him. very good guy. Good guy. Like 17, him. 17. So that's what I'm saying. So I know, but. Listen, in life, sometimes you get. Coach, what did you do to that lady, man, that made her take your room? What did you say? I didn't do anything. You flipped out one day, didn't you? I didn't do flip. You flipped out. I didn't do anything. Hey, listen. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Oh man. <laughs> this is my scrapping here for fun. <laughs> but you know what? In the New York City. <laughs> 51 years. 51 years. The Clario, you gotta give it that. Can you imagine? But you know doing what that? though? The one thing I found out, the difference between Catholic school and public school is the Catholic schools have a little more legacy and tradition and value the greatness that came before him. In the public school, comes and it goes. I mean, there could be a, a beautiful trophy or something, and you know, they want to clean the room, they throw the trophy out. It's, it's a whole different But also, though, Coach, I got to be real with you. The, school, the principal before her was a man. Yeah. Now, Coach, from the old school, did you give her a fair shake? You know how you are. You know how you old school guys are, man. Well, she was assistant principal. But did you give her a fair shake as far as, like, you, you wasn't on that old school stuff as far as, like, women are not as strong as men and oh, running stuff? No, I just no. want to make sure. I just no, want to put she was assistant principal there for a couple of years. We got along great. 
when she was assistant. Yeah, you know, I, I still get along. I just wish I had my office. <laughs> but I don't have my office. Yeah, get along, but not too great. You know, we're yeah. not, we're, unfortunately, you know, it's a high and goodbye. Wow. From a, so when she was assistant principal, it was more of a... Uh, you know, I, yeah, you know, we, you know, but, she, you know, she was in charge of security. She would come to the game. She saw, you know. You and know. you brought a lot of attention to the school as well. Yeah. Are they aware of that, that you brought a lot of attention? I think they are. And uh, sometimes when you have such notoriety, there could be some jealousy. I know that, you know, maybe not her, other people might not like the fact that if you go to the chancellor's office or a chancellor's meeting, oh, what school are you from? Cardozo. Maclerio. Maclerio. Basketball. A lot of people know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, like the old principal, he said wherever he went. And you had a principal Cardoza? He'd say, Naclario. He said he, his car got broken into one time. Two cops, he lived in uh, Belrose. Two cops came, started talking. He goes, this looks like a, a prank that like a kid would do like to, to get back, you know. You know, they didn't really want to steal the car. They just wanted to mess it up. He goes, do you deal with kids? He goes, yeah, I'm a principal. Where? Cardozo. He goes, hey, Coach DeClario. <laughs> you know? So, hey. That should be a good thing, though, as, as, yeah. a, as a principal. that should be. But you know what? Um, Everybody has their vision of what they want yeah. a school to be. And, and G, yeah, come on, G. No, I'm saying. I, I'm with you, man. Oh, they took the man off. We know, like, what that's, that's really And, you know, saying, I shared that office cool. with a lot of coaches. Come on. It, it looked like it was my office. But the, the football coach, the girls' basketball coach, the baseball coach, we always And in the back closet, that's where we, you know, we had all the equipment. So you don't have an office now? I have a little cubicle, but with all of the... All of the cabinets and my everything that I took out of the office in this little cubicle, it's basically, you know, like just enough to get in there, squeeze, open up the thing, you know, you know. I don't I, like I can't, I can't have like if a parent wanted to sit down and talk to me, I, I don't. There's not even a chair in there. It's a small little cubicle. That's so, yeah, nice. Um, listen, you know what? It's life. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been knocked down. I'm just, I'm still going. You know, sometimes. So how do you get the news involved? How, what way did the news come? Oh, you mean for, with the office? Yeah. Uh, there was a guy named Sammy Albano. He heard about it, and he used to work for CBS, and he had a couple of friends, and they couldn't believe it. And, you know, that's when I started realizing that in New York, whether you're Channel 2, 4, you know, 4, 5, 7, 11, or, you know, you're. WFN, they all know who I am, <coughs> you know. All the NBA guys know me. So that's when I started realizing that my notoriety and name, just like you heard of me, every everybody heard in the Clario. So she could, so seeing that and seeing the impact that you had, she couldn't say like, okay, let's figure something out. She, you know, because some principals stand, <laughs> stand well, strong. Well, I, I do know I got a phone call from the head of the public school athletic league asking me how we could solve it and I said solve it by letting me keep the office keep that room but the old principal Jerry Matori said listen she's the principal she has she needs she says she needs the room for her to see and run that's that's it she's the principal so what's RTC though ROTC that's that like you know that like uh, like a it's like a 
Military, yeah, like military, a military type stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, like a program. So yeah, military yeah. Kids. Lewis High School has it. Very yeah. few schools have it, but you know. It's and like, there was, it was no like, it was like a prep to if you want to go to. You know what I, mean? I know what you're talking about, but yeah. there's no other. There was no other. So how big as Cardoza High School is, there was no other room that could have been used for ROTC. Auditorium. Every room, gym. every room. Well, you had to, you had to store certain things. Every room that I tried. There was a reason why it couldn't be. And somebody else, you know, that had a room that could share the office with me, you know, they don't want to give it up. So I was hoping, because believe it or not, this is what I can't believe, and this is not the principal's fault, it's the Board of Ed. The annex is done. On the hill near Car it's done. It's ready. It should have been opened. But in the infinite wisdom of the Board of Ed, there's no chairs and desks. So they can't open it up until the chairs and desks come. So, like, you know, it's a beautiful new building. I heard it would really add to the school. There's a Cardozo. Benjamin Cardozo is a Supreme Court judge. There's an actual court in there, Supreme Court, where kids can start learning about the law and stuff. And I was told by her that ROTC will be moving. There's, you know, plan for them. And will she give you back the office, she said? I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But I ran into the ROTC guy. The old ROTC guy I didn't like. He just retired. The new guy, I happened to bump. I didn't like that guy. But I was respectful. Didn't curse him out, you know. Didn't, you know, try to. But, uh. I see this gentleman today, and I go, excuse me, because he said hello to me. Hello. I go, do I know you? He goes, no, we've never met, but uh, I'm so-and-so. So I, I, he goes, yeah, I'm the new ROTC guy. He goes, sorry about your office. And I'm like, I, I go, did you ever see it? He goes, yeah. It was, it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. You saw pictures. I, I was, oh, I love that office. But hey, listen. You know, I don't want to ever compare losing my office to the people that lost their lives in the World Trade Center. Of course. When that collapsed, you know, of you course. just, just got to move on, you know? Do you, do you take any accountability, Coach, that you might rub people the wrong way sometimes? Maybe now I do, because now I realize if I believe I'm saying something or doing something that's right, I do it. I'm not going to commit a criminal act. Now I'm, I'm you know... If I believe I'm doing something right, I'm going to do it. If I believe I'm helping a kid, mm. even though it might look because I'm berating him or grabbing him, you know, well, once the kid screws up, it's hard to have him unscrewed. You know, because I've seen kids get shot and killed. I've seen kids. You know, I had a, my assistant coach and I, there was a kid that we had on our city championship team 2014. His mother had a stroke. We didn't know it. He was a freshman and sophomore. He joined the gang, started selling drugs. He wanted out. He had to transfer to St. Dominic's High School in Long Island to get away from the gang. There was five kids in a, in a shower after a practice out there. Money was missing. We're not saying he did it. All five were thrown out. He comes back to Cardozo, but the mother didn't want him back, so... My assistant coach, Mike Bassett, who was still on the force, on the job, we actually met with the gang leader. 
And I don't know what the hell I was doing, but the guy knew me and we made a deal. So how he got out, and he got out. Uh, he helped win us the city championship, got a Division II scholarship, lives in Georgia now, doing very, very well. He's about 26 years old. Wow. So you sacrificed. So I feel like with all the sacrifice, we should sacrifice for you as well. Ah, listen. Yeah, well, you, you, know gonna, uh, you know what? I'm a punching bag. I've been punched so many times, I just keep going. I feel like feel like Forrest Gump. Just start running, running, running. Am I getting tired? Yeah, but, you know, Forrest ran and he ran and he ran, and then one day he got tired and stopped, and that was it. Hopefully I don't get tired and stop for a long time. My, my man Bino sent me a... Uh, a, a Bino. Um, he just sent me a, a text... And he said that you coach uh, Brian Woodward, yeah. a.k.a. 20. And he 20. said he said he got hurt in uh, his junior year of high school. Towards ACL. Yeah, but he said, if, he said if he didn't get hurt, he could have been pro. Do you agree with that? Yes. He also, as a sophomore, was getting letters and phone calls from Duke and North Carolina. He was but nice like that? He was nice. Now, what, what made him nice, coach? Oh, he could play. Go to the hole. Tough. Knew the game. You know, his mom, Cheryl, uh, and his stepdad, Bruce, you know, we became friends every July 4th. They have a barbecue. I'm over there. And uh, he had an older brother. Yeah, Dwayne. Dwayne. 40. 40, yeah. And 40 was very good. 40 now is a college coach. He was at Seton Hall last year. Uh, now he's at University of Rhode Island. He played in the backcourt with Rafer. And 40 was a hell of a player. Made all Big East for Boston College. Made a lot of money playing pro overseas. He could have, if he had a break, played in the league. But there was 40 and 20. And I get mad at his mom. Because 40 was great to coach. 20 was great to coach. I won a city championship with 20. Uh, I told the mom, I wish you had a 10 and a 5. <laughs> what, 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 do you know anything about the and one guys? About the rap Those are show? my tapes. The and one mixtapes. tapes. Do Not you know? Um, um, how do you feel like? Did you watch the documentary? Do you feel like they were they were treated unfairly or what happened to them? Or you, you know just... what? They they made money. Mm -hmm. They made money. Like it's it's weird how something came. Or for this street ball stuff with Ray from Skip to My Little Austin, who I gave the tapes to Ann One when they signed Ray for as a client, and they made the tape. Or for those, you know, cartridges I had, and they didn't compensate anybody, and that became a little. I ended up getting fifteen hundred dollars. I didn't want to hurt Ray for. That tape got everybody into this playground stuff. And so everybody then started coming with the camera to film. And from it, somebody said, hey, people all around the country want to see what's going on in, like, the Rucker. So they decided to bring the Rucker flavor, hot dog, stylish ball all around the country. And that's how the N1 mixtape tour started. And 
Did some of them make money? I'm sure they did. You know, I know the professor, Grayson Boucher, B-O-U-C-H-E-R, he's doing pretty well and he's managed to sustain it with yeah. websites and stuff like that. He does, you know, he does bar mitzvahs and birthdays. So, you know, you know, he thanks me for, for helping get this thing to do, you know, but what can you do? So you put the tape out there first? Well, what happens was, when we first went to the Rucker, there was a kid that would come with me and just video. So he'd give me the tape, give me the tape. You know? So he kept on coming. So I had these tapes. And I looked at them, they were good, you know, hot dog moves. So when Rafe was signed with N1, when Rafe was signed with N1, they wanted Cardozo footage. Rafe, unfortunately, was academically ineligible for most of his junior and senior year. So we didn't have as much footage. We had a little. But I said I have something else that Rafer plays in. So they gave me the FedEx number, FedEx, and they were watching it, and they were like, hum, 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 hum. You know, I gave them, and they had the brain power to put it together. You only got 1500 from that? Yep. And Greg Marius got a lawyer because they filmed at the Rucker, ABC. They, so it was, it was ugly. You also got to remember, this is like 25 years now. 1,500 like though, Coach? A, yes, 1,500. Oh, and I got some hand one sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> but that means you popped it off then. Yeah, they know. If you buy, I have a couple of books, the M1 book. It says it was my thing. You know, they know that. So we're gonna die. I was in the M1 video. I don't think people really know, like, yeah, the greatest mixed, the, 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 the ESPN 30 for 30, greatest mixtape ever. I'm in it. I'm the first five they were at my house talking to you. Yeah, what can I do? No. Lifetime schmuck. I told you, I'm a bad businessman. You know? Maybe a good coach, bad businessman. You know? So you're going to, so, so you're going to, for, Listen, the next time around, hopefully I'm a little wiser no, and smarter. Man. There's no way, man. That, that stuff made millions of dollars. Know, there's there's no way that your tape started it off and you just got 1500 You use Q-tips? I do. Yeah, so you hear what I said. Oh, I heard what you said. But that, yeah, you, yeah oh. I did. I got 15. G, chill, G. I know that was bad, G. G, chill. Come on, man. <laughs> G, stop. I know what's, you what's, what's, what's G money doing, man? He about to prepare again. <laughs> he about, G. Oh, man. Put your hands out your pocket. One more, man. I'll give one he more. said it already. He said good things, man. I know. I know. All right, don't trick me. <laughs> it's finished? Yeah. I think that um, I think that what it is is that. Can we take a two-minute break? I got to go to Mendel. Oh, sure, 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 sure. We come yeah. back. Yeah, Coach, go ahead. Yeah, you were sitting there for a while. Pretty good? Yeah. <laughs> it's real it's good. Great. It's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Show, show me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Jr. Show me the back for the key. Are oh, you knows? Kim.
Yo, what's... Yo, what's up, killer? Now, we was driving down, like, um, let's see, my, I got a new studio, so the new studio's on 32nd. I was driving down 31st, so I saw that uh, a truck. 30th. 30th? Yeah, 30th. Yeah, I saw a truck, right? And it was like the Escalade with the pink joint. I'm like, who shit is that? So my son was like, I think that's Cam. I said, Cam, no way. So he went to your page while I was stopped at the light. He said, I think that's Cam joint. I said, no way. So I go around the corner and I come back around. And um, when I go back around, I said, if it's Jersey place, it may be Cam. And then it was a point where the, the truck pulled up on the side and, and, and I pulled up on the side of it. And JR said, no, nah, I don't think that's Cam. I think that's Sugar probably driving, Sugar Digger. I said, really? And then that's just what it was. I don't know. I didn't really see him, but I didn't see you because I had stopped and, and stuff like that because I, I was planning on pulling up. But Cam, what up? But that's, that's why I said it. It was late night. What time was it, JR? You good? Like one, right? Yeah, killer. So. You ready? Yeah, you ready? You got to wrap this up. What was the last thing I said? Um. His tapes did that. I got a couple of funny stories if you want to hear. <laughs> looking at me like. Yeah, he's like, but I'm getting paid and stuff like that. And Pull, pull the mic a little closer. Yeah. They took advantage of you, coach. Yeah, yes, and I know, you know. Yeah. You know, but I was trying to help Rafer and not, you know, because I saw what Rafer could hopefully do and the marketing. And you know, like I said, I'm a team player. Unfortunately, sometimes if you don't have certain things in writing or make deals, you know, you do get crapped on. But listen, for Rafer, it turned out great, and I'm glad. He said he didn't really. Didn't really mm. said when we interviewed him. He said he didn't really. He was mad at them as well, right? With the one situation. Yeah, he said he didn't know. Yeah. It, it was just the, weird. It's just they kind of just put it out, happened. and then he he people would see it. Oh, I saw you on the tape, and you know he said he, he wasn't he wasn't aware of the tape, the whole production of it. Yeah, I didn't know that they. See, when I mailed them the tapes to to look at, they mailed them back. They made copies, and then they ran with it. And then it was like Greg Marius, who had no problem, who ran the Rucker Entertainers Basketball Classic. <clears throat> it was like, wait a second, they didn't even say anything to us. Just you know, mm. you know, watch the watch the tape and enjoy it, and maybe say, hey, you know, we would like to do something with it. But was it a big lawsuit? Greg, Greg, yeah, but it, you know, it got expensive for Greg. You know, suing this, suing that, and. You know, I think Greg, Greg did a lot better than fifteen hundred. But I, I just, what am I gonna do? You know, I mean, like a lot better, maybe five. You know, it was just too much. Got too it. Much. Okay. But you well off, you know. Listen, you move on. You know, I mean, <laughs> everything is you move on. <laughs> well, I mean, when I listen, I mean, maybe when I was twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, people look at me and think I'm smart. Maybe I'm dumb because I've done a lot of dumb things that. Monetarily, shouldn't have happened. But, you know. He was too nice of a guy, I think. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I said, I have a pizza pie philosophy. <clears throat> I, get a, I get a pizza pie. You have nothing. I give you a slice. Every day I get a pizza. Here, two slices, three slices. Every day, three slices. Four, have the whole pie. 
Now all of a sudden, something goes wrong in my life. I don't get any more pizza. You get the pizza pie. And you don't even give me a crust. That's not right. Mm. But that's the way a lot of people are. You that's like a that good, analogy, that's, a good, right? that's a good analogy. I'm about to yeah. steal it. Yeah. Yeah, legal. Just steal it. Just yeah, take it. You don't have to steal it. Just take it. You got it. Yeah, you're used to giving people things anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 take it. Um, Coach, you're not married? No, I got someone in my life that's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a younger girl, you know, but she's really nice. Good girl named Nicole Singleton. So that might be the one. And if it is, it better happen soon. <laughs> and you, you never had any children? No. No. Okay. The, you know, the, all the, the kids on my team have become my unofficial sons. Okay. And 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 mm. and, and that Nicole was the lady that saw me post you. Yeah. And she <laughs> told you about it. Yeah, I didn't know you. Who are. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I just thought it was another <laughs> message. You know, and she was like treating you like you were a god. No. You know, uh, thank oh, look, you. I, I googled you. You're doing very well, which is good. Uh, at least you gave us a chance, right? You know. <laughs> um, I want to say this though before we wrap it up. Um, couple of one more question before I, I, I use my closing statement. Who was the the most difficult student to work with, but they end up coming out good? Who was your Who was the most difficult student to work with that came out good, and then who also was a student? that you had a lot of faith in that might have disappointed you? Ray for Alston was probably the hardest because he became like a full-time staying on him to go to class, to stay out of trouble. He unfortunately got involved with the law a couple of times. Uh, then he was in Sacramento. There was a picture on this... Uh, Fresno B, with him in handcuffs, evidently he smacked his girlfriend around, so that wasn't good, you know, and it seemed like it never ended with Rafa. Uh, a kid that I thought was going to make it, that didn't make it, was a kid named Rich Crowder, 1985-86. I saw all the potential in him, but <coughs> he had the street life, and every time he would leave the street life, get 80s and 90s in class, and schools were calling, ah, the hell with it. He'd rather have the street life. And unfortunately, he spent some time in jail. Uh, but he disappointed me, because I saw in him what he didn't see in himself. Now, when you, now his name is Richard what? Crowder. Now, Richard Crowder, when you see this in him, now we're talking about a player, he was nice. Was he a nice, or was he real nice, or he was just high? Well, you know what? He was 6'3". Now he's about 6'6 six, six and a half. So you don't know. You know, size does mean a lot in basketball. I mean, I do know he was scared crap of me, and his mother knew that he was heading down the wrong road. And I called the mother up. And I came over to the house. He lived near, near PS 147 off of Linden. And she opened up the door. She wanted me to speak to him. And Rich was so scared of me, he ran up the stairs, closed the door, slammed the door. The mother, two minutes later, came with the key to the door, opened up the door to his room. He jumped out the second floor window. 
but you know, we talk about it now. And then like people say like, Ron, why do you get so involved in your players' lives? You know, if they want to be a success, they want to be mediocre, they want to be a loser, why don't you just let them be it? But I think that's the addiction of me wanting to make Cardozo basketball the best, not only for me, my assistants, but for each player that's been under my umbrella, you know? But, uh, you know, you learn. You learn about parents. You learn about kids. I had a kid named Showtime, Darrell Hill. You know Showtime. Mm -hmm. Showtime was a mother. <laughs> and when we won the city championship in 99, Showtime was on the, the team as a sophomore, very good player. Senior year, he's as good a guard there as in New York. That was a transition period. We had a couple of freshmen that not only made the varsity, played because we had a dearth of talent. And even though the freshmen were going to be very good and they got us to the Garden against Lincoln a couple of years later, they weren't ready. And, of course, the outside influence, the parents. You don't have to pass Darrell the ball. You, don't, you can do what you can. They weren't ready. So as the season's going on, they're starting to freeze Darrell out, which was ridiculous. We're playing Van Buren, a team that we beat by 26 at home. Now all of a sudden, we're at Van, big crowd. One of the freshmen gets the ball, drives. Darrell's wide open for, for a shot on the play. They force the shot. Then all of a sudden, two on one, they come down. They fake pass to Darrell. They keep it. Missed the layup. So what's going on? I'm calling plays for Darrell. Darrell's not getting the ball. We're down 10 at the half. And I'm going nuts. Third quarter, the same thing. We're down 21 after three. What the hell are you doing? Pass Darrell the ball. So now I, I call it, fourth quarter starts, it happens again. So I take them out, and I have a timeout. I said, this is it. Because I couldn't go take the freshman out because I didn't have any more. If I only had like five players. So I go to them this. Screw this. We're not calling any plays. We're not calling any plays. Oh, you know what? We're going to have one new play. This is the play. Daryl has to touch the ball. What do you mean? Daryl has to touch the ball. We get the ball. We steal it, whatever, we rebound it. Daryl has to touch the ball. If you give Daryl the ball and he passes it to you, you can do it. But if you come down and you don't pass Daryl the ball, I'm taking you out, we're going to lose it. And see, also, their homies were on the other team. And they didn't want to lose to their homies because they were talking to them. How, yeah, we're going to get you at Van. We're going to get you. I know you kicked their ass. So now they started with down 21, starting the fourth. So now Darrell drives, passes it to, to one of the front layup, 19. We steal the ball. The freshman sees Darrell for a three. We cut it. Timeout, 16. All right? Darrell's got to touch the ball. Darrell's got to touch the ball. This goes on. Now we cut it to 12. We cut it to 11. We cut it to 10. We cut it to 8. They call timeout. Right? What's the play? Daryl's got to touch, touch the, the ball. ball. Remember, Daryl's got to touch the ball. 
Now it's getting late. Oh, crud. So we got to foul a couple of times. Thank God they missed the one. Darrell drives, hits it, hits it with down five. Darrell steals the in ball, throws a behind-the-back pass to the other freshman. We cut it to three. Timeout. It's about a minute left. We're down three. Remember, we got to do it. We're going to start jumping, jumping double-teaming. So inbound, we cut it, we steal it, we get it to one. Well, I have a thing called 100, which means you go for the steal and foul. So they score. We're down three. 13 seconds, 12 seconds. Darrell drives coast to coast, lays it in. We cut it to one. Eight seconds, seven seconds, 100, 100. So the freshman tries to go for the steal in the backcourt, but he misses, and he, but he managed to dive and smack the ball from behind forward. The ball's rolling to the Van Buren foul line. Uh, six, five, one freshman throws it ahead of the field to the other freshman. Four, he's got a breakaway layup. Three, he's slowing down. What is he doing? He's looking around, he's slowing down. What are you doing? Two, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's slowing down, he's looking. One, what are you doing? He manages right before the buzzer to flip it up and in. We win by one. They're jumping on him. I run over to the kid. I go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why were you slowing down? Coach, I couldn't remember if Darrell touched the ball. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's dedication to, you know, loyalty to the coach. Oh, Um, If if I was on that team, I would have passed him something else. Um, no, G, no, he don't deserve it. <laughs> I would have passed him something else. He don't deserve it now, G. <laughs> I would have just took the dunk. G, don't do it. He cool, man. No, <laughs> he cool, but no, G, he's he's he cool, though. He is cool. I, I would have passed him that. I would have swear. G. <laughs> That's crazy. In the middle of the, the He one, is cool. You cool, man. How is that part? Like, no, nah, I'm going I'm going to the rack. I think that I'm going to touch the ball or not. Yeah, but they, you know what? That just shows your kids, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? Who, who's who's Royal Tivy? Royal Ivy. Ivy, yeah. Yeah, Royal Ivy. He's played for me. He was with Showtime. He played in the NBA. He's now assistant coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, Royal Ivy. Yeah, that's the kid I told you about. That maybe. Oh, he was on the Sixers. He was on the Sixers, Atlanta, Milwaukee. He was assistant coach of the Knicks last year, or two years ago. Now he's with the Nets. Why he has a T in his name? No, it's not. Well. Maybe on his Instagram page, it's yeah. Yeah, t- Tibby, whatever. Ryan Williams, special effects. Oh, man. He jumped like he was on a trampoline. You offered him $100 to try to break the... Oh, uh, Ryan. And the Ryan, garden. the idiot. <laughs> you offered him $100 to try to break... I offered him $100. Here's no, what I told him. Uh-huh. He was in the dunk contest of the Nike Super 6. Mm. So I said, Ryan, if you break the backboard at the garden mm-hmm. you shatter the backboard I'll give you $100 on the spot so practicing for the Nike Super 6 he shatters and breaks the backboard in our gym and nope. wanted on I said not in our gym you schmuck and but, those old? yeah oh wow oh man shout out to my man Ryan yeah. <laughs> how did he break it? I don't know I wasn't there I just heard about it I break the glass, he said. He just because if you ever go Ryan special effects Williams, he was as good a dunker 
in the last 50 years in New York. There were two Shaquille O'Neal dunk contests for $50,000. He won both of them. He was on the N1 mixtape tour. Facts. And That's what he had to ball he got up. Ten, he got six or eight stitches on his head. His head hit the rim. So in order to break the back, it's strength to break the, you know. I, yes. I thought they, I thought they find you too at one point, right? They well, said, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, but you're breaking it, you know. At Madison Square Garden, they have five or six, you know, extra backboards. So you break one, you wheel it right in. Ten minutes later, it's up. But mm. in Cardozo, it took us two and a half weeks to get it fixed. <laughs> okay, got you. Well, <clears throat> Coach, is there anything that you want to say that we missed out before we? Exit out of here. No, I had a great time. Uh, we, 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 glad uh, you reached out. Three hours, right? You know, is it three yeah. hours? I, yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to be at two. Yeah. You know, we yeah. had a good time. I got to know you. You know, hopefully you give me your cell number. We keep in t- contact. Of course. You know. You know. So. You know. You know. You know. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, you're gonna be dishonest. So other times you're dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you know. You know the interview. You know, we put it out. You know, some people may not be too happy. Who won't like it? I don't know. He's just an honest guy. Well, all right. So, so, all right. so if it's somebody from the Knicks who's not with the Knicks anymore, they're not going to hire me. But they're not hiring me anyway. All right? What are you going to do? If I decide to buy a ticket to go to a Knicks game, you're going to have security and not let me in? <laughs> Lenny Cook? Well, what I said today probably wasn't even nearly as bad as what I said on his documentary. Uh, Cardozo, I love. You know, there were things that happened there. Who's going to be mad there? You know? And I didn't bring up the office. You did. Because the office is part of A to Z. This is why we like him. You see that? I mean, it's there. Still in your square. listen. Billy Medley and Ron DeClario know, and Rafer knows, if it wasn't for us, you couldn't have dodged the hundreds of bullets that could have hit you. Hundreds of bullets. So, you know, we were there to find a way. Who else did I possibly say anything bad about? Nothing. Nobody. <laughs> All right. Sign us out, well, Queen Flip or Queen Flop? The Clario. The Clario. Legendary coach, man. Appreciate you coming up here. This is dope. Uh, dope episode. You know, I always enjoy the, the sports episodes a, a little bit more than, you know. Give us your Instagram, coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got them on Instagram. Give it to us. What? You got Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, tell the people. You, you're on TikTok, too, right? You, yeah. you say you posted something TikTok, on TikTok. TikTok, whatever. You know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I got on TikTok. Uh, TikTok, though? What is that? TikTok. No, first of all, tell us and your Instagram. Tell the people what's your Instagram. Oh, uh, at Ron DeClario. Ron Naclerio, yeah. R-O-N-N-A-C-L-E-R-I-O. Can you quickly look and see if that's it? I want to make sure right now. I think that was it. Hold on, hold on. Ron Naclerio, N-A-C-L-E-R-I-O. I'm pretty sure it's that. Yes. Yep. Yeah, at Ron Naclerio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know on Twitter it's at Coach Ron Naclerio. Yeah. Shout out to all the Dozo players, but you know, I was telling him, like I said earlier, I, I was playing ball around time where he had Nick Flagg in there on the team, Scholar, you know. Dube Johnson? Dube, that's my guy. Dube was the freshman in my story. Oh. John Forbes. John Forbes was another freshman in my story. Oh. Showtime. I, the, play, I played with Theo Dube. Davis? 
I, I played with Dude on Panthers. Yeah. Dude was good. It was fire. Smooth player. Smooth, like, you know what I'm saying? But uh, shout out to those guys. Shout, uh, Sean Crawford. I went to school with him also. Sean's now on staff at St. Hall. He's Facts. doing very well. Shout out to my guys, man. I just wanted to show them some love. Shout, shout, what's a good shout out to uh, Killer Cam? Killer Cam. You know what I'm saying? Another yeah, another uh, dangerous player in Queens. You know what I'm saying? Great uh, player. High school. Well, yeah, man. Dope episode. Make sure y'all follow the pages uh, at DJG Money Official, at Queens Flip with a Z, at Flip the Script Pod on Instagram and the TikTok. Uh, Shout out to the Olean Podcast, too. You know what I'm saying? Sports podcast. I like to shout them out when we do sports stuff so we can kind of correlate in. Y'all make sure y'all follow, subscribe to that that podcast as well. Shout out to Barry Grant Jr. Uh, dope podcast, sports podcast. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. BGJ. Yeah. That's. Did you catch on? Try to get my nickname. I'm just saying. <laughs> BGJ. <laughs> Shout out to all my Panthers too, man. Panthers players, uh, Gauchos, Holy uh, Cross. Gary Charles. All that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 yeah. All right, I'm good, I'm good. Is there any coaches that you respect? Any high school coaches that you say, even if you like them or not, that 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 are good? Oh, there are a lot of good high school coaches. You know, uh, some of the things I realize is that there might be coaches that aren't as well-known as me or have the career as me, but you pick something up. It might be an out-of-bounds play. It might be a defense. It might be an offense versus a zone. You know, mm. basketball coaches all borrow or steal or use from each other. And that's why when we go to clinics, we all like to talk. Uh, New York City's had some great, great high school coaches in the past. There's some great high school coaches now. And I know there'll be some great high school coaches down the road because to be a great coach in New York, not only do you have to know basketball, X's and O's, and all of the basketball part, you have to be a psychologist. You mm. have to know how to deal with the kids. Because dealing with the kids and their parents and now with the social media, you know, a kid has one dunk and that's all he's done all year. They see the one dunk and everybody wants to know why you're not playing him. Well, you only saw that one dunk. You didn't see the rest of the season when he stunk. You mm. know? So, that's a good line. You know, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. you know what? And you learn... I love when people yell, Clario, you're a bum, you're a bum. You know? Oh, they go, they go, okay. No, you know, sometimes, no, you're good, because that's, well, you know what, you got to, yo, Jordan, you, Jordan, you stink, you're, Michael Jordan stinks. You know, <laughs> Kobe, Kobe, you suck, Kobe, you suck. I mean, like, that's like a, a flattering comment, you know? So I, I'm almost flattered when I'm in an opposing gym and I get the typical respectful, hateful line. Got you. You know? Yo, it's Queens Flip, man. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you know, dope episode. And I'll see you soon. Take care. You going to the game?